A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. This is Rob DiPietro. Coming at you with another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. Tonight, on the show, Bubba and the Batflip. You guys know them as a dynamic podcast duo. Bubba, Toby, great people, great analysts, great fantasy baseball players. Um, two of my favorite in the, just, just in general, guys to talk to. Um, just great human beings. So, um, last time I got them on the pod, it was pretty shortly after last season ended um, and couldn't wait to get them back on the pod again. I wanted to, you know, have them closer to when the season was starting and if this was regularly timed with when the season was started, it'd be even closer. But baseball, just announced, it's a go. Um, couldn't be more excited. We talk about it in the podcast, talk about it myself. You know, obviously, this is great. Everyone was waiting for the announcement uh, optimistically that baseball would start, that we would get 162, and the players, you know, got as close as to good, as good as a deal they can get. Um, and I think it was telling that they were able to outvote the uh, governing board of the players' union, and they wanted to get out there and get on the field, and uh, we can't wait. So, um, obviously, if, you're, if you've been delaying your prep and you haven't done much, um, you know, going to have to get into it now. Um, and if you've been prepping all along, obviously now is the moment that, you know, you're really ready to implement everything uh, that you've been drafting for in the offseason and continuing to draft. So, um, you know, start taking this time to start looking at some different things, some, some scheduling, um, obviously, uh, you know, these are the times to really kind of narrow in on some things that might be happening in the beginning of the season. And obviously the free agents, you know, it's going to have to stay on top of the player pool, on top of the news. And if you're in drafts while these things are happening, you know, there's going to be um, other owners taking their time if it's a slow draft on their picks. Um, so lots of interesting things that are going to happen. It's a great time for fantasy baseball. It's a great time for baseball fans in general. Um, we're going to get back out there and play, and I think um, couldn't be more excited, and I think we expressed that in the podcast as well. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to get um, on Bubba and Toby, and um, hope you guys um, enjoy it. Thanks. All righty, folks. Welcome back to the Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob Pietro, the dead pull hitter. With me tonight upon the news that baseball is back, I have two of the best in the business, my dear friend, Bubba and Toby. How are you guys doing tonight? We're good, good. Yeah, doing great. Really excited to be here, Rob, and glad you're back on the uh, 
on the airwaves. One of the, one of, if not the best podcast, uh, that's out there right now. Did, did anything happen today? Is there anything important going on? Because besides just, you know, obviously the three of us talking, cause that's pretty darn cool. The but second, did, yeah. The yeah. second best thing that happened today is baseball is back. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. This is the first best thing. Hey, and then all I, all I have to say, <laughs> all I have to say is at the end of our episode Tuesday night, doing starting pitchers, Toby and I did like a minute back and forth about, or no, it was two weeks ago about we were coming up on the show about a pool hitter and you know he's back with john tonight but the episode you really want to listen to is on march 10th because it'd be really important and lots of good news yes. and yahtzee we should have known boom we yeah. nailed it <laughs> freaking yahtzee wow it was the perfect call we you guys 100 percent called it i was watching that one live and i'm like oh man i i've been like trying to get to bed at a you know, decent time. Every time you guys come on, I'm like, make it a point too. And then I just fall asleep. And then I'm like, God, <laughs> man. And, and of course, it's the first thing I listen to. When I take my dog out in the morning. I feed them breakfast, throw on, I throw on the pod. It, I get my day going, but I was like, Oh man, I fell asleep this week, which is, you know, which I, you know, I told myself, I, I like this live action because I like the, uh, you know, like time and a half, two times speed. I'm, um, I, I like to listen to them quick, but sometimes I got to slow it down when, when you guys get into some, you know, in deep talk, but, uh, so that's why the live is like, it's great. I get to see you guys, I get to interact and then, uh, and then I listen to it again. That's the whole thing. And then I throw it on again. Yeah. Double whammy, but yeah, we have baseball back. It's amazing. Um, you know, that, the, that we're going to get the full 162, um, I think that's sweet nine inning double headers. Uh, no, back to the old extra inning rules. Pretty wild. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is fascinating. You know, uh, I felt like, oh man, like I hope I don't have to adjust any of the games played. And then once that looked like it was going to be the thing, just for them to come back and you know scratch that and say that we're going to get it in. I mean, I think that's one of the best things that could have happened for this year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, especially like, I think probably the most, the happiest people out there are the folks who like do the projections. And they're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do I have to, I think it was like Todd Zola, like tweeted out how he was going to, how, if, if they solve the labor dispute um, or the lockout today, it was going to be because he started working on like updating his projections for a shorter season. And so it's, it's really nice that, that this has happened and we're going to get something that we kind of understand. I mean, spring training is going to be shorter. And so, you know, there will be issues with that, but just having the game back and it's going to be a wild couple weeks too, just in terms of players like trades, free agents, but then also like how that's going to impact ADP. It'll be really interesting. I'm looking forward to the ADP change. Cause I've asked like Modica and other guys on recent shows that do a ton of volume drafting, and I know like when you start early, the whole point is to kind of continue the player pool, the ADPs change with news and all this stuff. And, you know, we're here in March and there's no news. So the ADP has kind of been fluid for the most part. So it's been it, like, it's going to just be bananas here pretty soon. Yeah. I got hit with like a quick panic attack when I realized it was real. I like, it's that moment where you're like, I'm behind. Like <laughs> you, you immediately feel like you're already behind. Like, I hope I didn't miss anything. I got to catch up to like, you know, all, all the articles I like to read on the websites or whatever. And I'm like, oh man, it's got that instant feeling. Like I felt like I was behind and nothing happened yet. I guess I'm just like anticipating so much, 
things to happen right now. Um, but what was the like your first reaction? Did anyone do anything like you know oddly different? Did they look at us, you know, a specific thing? And I know to Toby, you mentioned something in the chat about uh, you know, a specific start to start the year. I mean, I was like, and then I was like, oh man, I gotta look at the schedule too. You know, you immediately like brought it in my head, like I gotta look at the schedule. And there's another thing I had to write down on my whiteboard. So, um, what was your first uh, like line of thought? Like, what what am I doing now? I'm curious to hear what Toby has to say now. Looking at the schedule already. Oh no, I was just highlighting <laughs> like like different starts that people had. Um, well, it's yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, my first thought, honestly, like I tweeted it out, was I'm in the I'm in the middle of like uh, yeah, the Tout yeah. Wars draft and hold as 50, 50 player draft. We're I think in round like twenty six or twenty seven, but there's no time limit actually. I mean, there oh. will be one that's enforced. But I was just like, oh man, this could get rough for some of these slow drafts. As we everybody just kind of waits and sits on it, waiting for that news to break and being able to take advantage of it. I mean, I don't think people will really do it. So I was just kind of joking around about that. But yeah, I think like you mentioned, Rob, like I definitely was just scrolling through Twitter trying to take in news. Like there's the Ranger Suarez news about yeah. how you know he's he has visa issues because he was locked out, so he couldn't get his visa, so he's behind you know, and probably won't be ready for opening day. It's just like little bits and pieces like that, that I think over the coming days, we're going to learn that certain guys are behind or certain guys are ahead. And then the schedule, like you mentioned, it may seem ridiculous to be like, oh, you know, like this pitcher is starting out their first, starting, starting out the season against this team. Isn't that great? But there are going to be those back end of the draft type decisions where you're going to go after a guy who looks like he's going to have three really solid starts to begin with, knowing that you're probably going to move on from him from there. Cause that's really what those back end of, you know, your 15 team drafts is for is, is identifying those guys who can might be able to help you out a little bit more early on in the season, but you don't necessarily expect long-term things from them. Yeah. You're starting fab at the end of the draft. Exactly. Yep. Just like start the streaming process right there. That's a great point. Yeah, I know last uh, last year I definitely um, learned to do that more than I ever did just by hearing you guys talk about that. I think, yeah, I guess that's a good point. You know, um, you got to be you got to be thinking like that quick hook, just get the best that you can out of the matchup. And uh, just the same way that we that we do fab, you know, we're looking for those weekly edges um, that we can accumulate some extra stats. Um Absolutely. Good point. Bubba, what did you do? First, first thought when, um, when it happened? Well, uh, honestly, I tried to avoid Mike Curling cause he was sending a million messages to a group chat I'm in about every piece of news out there. And I'm like, I appreciate you, Mike, but uh, I got to work right now. Um, but honestly what I did, because I kept saying, like I tweeted it out last week when we thought we had a deal and we were, we duped into that is I'm ready to start fab drafting now. Like I'm ready to go. I've been trying to hold out and wait. And I, I kind of want to hold out for some free agent news and everything. But the first thing I did when I sat back for a second, I looked at the NFPC lobby. I looked at what drafts were tonight. And I said, thanks, Rob. I'm glad I can't draft tonight because you're saving me right now since we have a podcast. So <laughs> that's exactly what I did. I looked at the lobby and I was like, yep. hmm, should I jump in this? Uh, even I, I was debating a best ball or a cut line. And then I was like, no, nah, I can go do an OC. Oh, no, no, that's right when we're recording. That's not going to work. So I'm like, mm -hmm. perfect. I can wait a little longer. Rob saved me, and I'm busy all weekend. So the earliest I can draft this Sunday, like you saved me right now. Oh, so you would have got into one. Oh, I would have been drafting right yeah. now. Like yeah. we wouldn't be talking. I'd be drafting. Maybe I'd be live drafting like on a stream yard or something. But I would be drafting an OC probably right now. Yeah, oh, man, I know. I know. I, I, I had the itch going so bad because I did one on 
I did it on like Saturday or something. Mm. I did one and it was awesome. It was just getting that blood flowing again. Just going all so then it really made me want like the season to come. Cause I'm like, this was, you know, we've been doing the DCs, the NFPC fifties, all that stuff. Those are great. They're great. They're getting you ready. But that like when you're in those shark tanks of a room and the ADPs out the window, that just gets the blood flowing. And that was so much fun. And, and it was like two hours. It was a, a full draft took two hours. I'm like, I can do more of this. This is great. So I'm ready to roll. That's a good time, man. I can't wait. Can't wait to get into one of those fast drafts again. The last one I did was a um, auction, auction DC, which was definitely interesting. Um, so we auctioned the first 23 picks and then this slow draft, the rest of the 27. But even just the auction, we just got my got my juices flowing, man. And it's a good, it's a great software. If you're a little unsure about trying it online, um, I mean, to have some pretty low-end um, price leagues for you just to try the auction, and it's it's awesome. I mean, I don't know why I don't do more, honestly. There's so much fun, um, totally different strategy. got to get into a whole different mindset. And so then just, just trying to, to fill out your roster. That's crazy. Yes, That's and so you have to different. fill out your roster. So, so that was the biggest difference for me when I got out of – that part of the draft entering the the snake um, part of the draft the player pool just looked different you know it was just weird it was just a different player pool uh, I was anticipating it obviously you you know that you, you know 24 catchers are going off and um, but it was just weird it was odd it felt like a lot of the um, I guess good pitching um, that would be available. Also, when the, you know, like in that part of the draft and snake, it, they were kind of gone already. So it was a big adjustment. Um, so, but I tried to, I tried to do something different in that draft. I just like, I spent a lot more on pitching. And so I kind of just tried to get like seven good starters and um, pay more up for them, hoping that I don't have to go deeper into the well of my lower starters. So, uh, you know, so that's what I was anticipating, like coming back into the snake draft, almost like that part where, um, you know, you're just running through offensive bats and just, but then again, the play pool was different. And I was just like, I don't know if I did this right. It was interesting. I'm pretty sure you did based on that wonderful spreadsheet you talked about on a recent episode of the dead of the pool hitter podcast that I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like you sit here and, and say, you're not going to be ready for draft season. And <laughs> I, you have so much stuff. I'm like, you taught yourself how to do this and that you got this like, Oh, you're, you're too, you, what you are is you are always a humble human being and you're way too humble for this. Cause it's like, you're sharp, you're very sharp and you're going to be ready. So that's why I laugh when you say that. Cause that episode, I think it was your last episode with i forget his name the gentleman that won the, the oh, DC yeah, last year yep awesome episode and that's when you got to talk about the auction versus this and that and stuff i think that's the episode or there's one before where you mentioned your spreadsheet i'm just sitting there going first off he says he has the grand text of toby and Dussault and weimer and um and now he freaking has a spreadsheet and i'm like oh yeah rob's not gonna be right don't let rob make you feel sorry for him on draft day when he smokes you in the draft room just just let me tell you that right now and I feel he smoked us so last year in that battle. Exactly, of the pod we, we experienced that in Battle of the Pods. So I don't want to hear it right now. He comes, he comes into Battle of the Pods right after he won the overall in 2020, and then he just smokes us, like ran away with it. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, I remember doing the draft, and you guys were cursing me out, like <laughs> in the middle of your podcasts. Like, yeah, Rob just sniped me on this guy and this guy. I was like, oh. 
hope it's the right call. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I can't wait. I can't wait to get involved uh, and get back into um, a couple of drafts. I think I'm going to do an OC um, and get the 12 out of the way instead of doing like the 15 first and doing the 12 last. I think I'm just going to, um, I think the last slow draft I did actually was a 50 and I did some more fifties this year. So I'm going to try to do a quick 12 team mindset and move on from that. You know, smart, smart. Yeah. Did you do your OC yet, Papa? I did one a couple nights ago. I did not use my, uh, my one I one from the qualifier. Cause I got a, they were giving out a discount. That's the other reason why I got swooped in on it. Nice. You, got like, you got like 30 or 40 bucks off. So I'm like, oh, well, hell, I had nothing to do this Saturday night. I, I have an itch to scratch and you're giving me a discount. Yeah. I'm going to draft. Yeah, yeah. You got me. You got me. I, I sat down, I've been gone all day and it was like nine of 12 filled. And I'm like, okay, you got me. We'll draft. <laughs> I was vulnerable. They won. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. I can't wait. It's, yeah, it's Vegas is still on guys. So Toby, you still going to Vegas? Yeah. Yep, Beautiful. it's still on. Um, it's going to be really interesting because the the live mains are going to set the the ADP for well, the main those event. The, those, those, will be the, those will be the first ones. Compared yeah. to almost being the last ones in years past for the most yeah. almost last ones. Yeah, exactly. I mean, normally they're kind of in the middle there. And mm-hmm. um, so that's going to be really interesting to see how that operates because you're essentially going to have like, I think there's one draft on the 24th and maybe like one or two on the 25th. And then the 26th is the big one where they have like six or seven going on at the same time. And so you're going to get a pretty good sense of ADP setting there early on, but there's also still going to be, you know, almost two weeks until the season starts. So. Yeah. I enjoyed last year having the first draft of the year and uh, you know, being involved with like the, the ADP setting, you know, getting Cesar Valdez on the board um, <laughs> and Jonathan India, but still like I was ready to have a couple of guys this year, you know, if, it, if I was going to be part of the first draft again to just, you know, really uh, get everyone buzzing, but not, I'm not going to be able to do that, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It might work to my advantage. Who knows? Yeah. But I will make I my quick picks. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, so, all right, we got one update. No, nothing big. It's just as uh, John Morosi reports that the Dodgers' interest in Freddie yep. Freeman is believed to be, quote-unquote, sincere. I saw that, oh. and I almost fell out of my chair laughing. What is oh, sincere? <laughs> I, I had so many comments to make that probably would have got me canceled off any social media platform, just like as jokes. I'm like, sincere, so as in you want to give them close to a fair deal, or how, how are we doing this? I, I wonder if that's like, I, I wonder if that's their way of like, all the people who know the deals that have already happened, but like need to swear to secrecy. Yeah. It's like, they drop like the, sin- the like level of sincerity that exists in the deal. We, so we just got his uh, phone number today after 6 PM Eastern time. And we are sincerely going to call him for the first time <laughs> and his agents. That's what we're sincerely doing. Oh man. So funny. Who, which team you guys think makes the first sign? Good question. I know the Yankees, there's a, a, a rumor that came out today that um, Matt Olson is 100% their main target right now in a trade. And the A's have already said it's a lot of prospects that so you're going to have to f- like fess up, but the Yankees want Olson bad. Interesting. He'd be great there. Phenomenal with that. I might, I might, I might, I might actually draft him. <laughs> he would, he would uh, be much probably not, but I might actually, draft he'd be him. closer to Big Meat Pete the Polar Bear now. Yeah, it's, 
that would be a really nice spot for him for sure. Yeah. He's pretty, he gets pretty shifted as well too. So yeah. he might even get a couple, actually it's a short. Boy, so does Ariel life. Cohen he have hits... to rename his podcast now? <laughs> the Beat the Shift podcast? Oh, <laughs> boom, boom. Oh it, man. Didn't even that's, think about that. That's a good question. Because like, right. it doesn't exist anymore, right? Like, like been 20 years down the road when kids are listening to it, they're going to be like, what are they talking? What, what is that? this? What is this shift? What is a shift? We're trying what is to a beat? Bunt? We don't do any of this. Who's an umpire? We I don't wonder. exist either. Uh, right. I wonder if they're gonna. Yeah, they're gonna have to get a new name. They'll they'll aggregate all the best podcasts and come up with a name, and that'll be the name. Um, anyway, <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> all right. So I want to start off with some player news. Um, I know we were just talking about fab leagues and such, but um, if you guys are playing any more DCs. Um, I wanted to ask you if you think maybe Tyler Glass now is a player you would consider taking, you know, like a 49th, 50th round pick. Um, he said on the Chris Rose rotation that he believes he could put himself in a position to pitch at the season end. Um, is that worth a shot late round? For me, I'm still staying away from it because I'm so risk averse, but I see the argument with a 50th round pick because most 50th round picks are such long shots anyways. They're like really praying for like a couple injuries to take place for someone to play. So I can see the argument, but I'm just so, um, I guess, gun shy from the last couple of years where I have had multiple guys that were free agents, not even signed. Like I still have the Rich Hill or not Rich Hill. Um, who the heck was it now? Um, oh, I know who you're talking about. It's uh, Porcello. 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 Porcello everywhere. How he didn't <laughs> sign the contract blows my mind. And then um, like the first year I had our, our good buddy, the little second baseman from the Cardinals. Um, it's just, it's, I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I can't do it. Maybe Toby will. He's so, he's so risk. He's, he's risk uh, aggressive. So he might take him. Me never. Um, no, I would, I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't consider taking him. I just think that it's really difficult because like you use all of your 50 picks, you know? Right. And so the moment you're like essentially canceling him out for 75% of the season, like we've all seen those red suit suitcases. We all have nightmares of the red suitcases. So I'm never really picking a guy. I'm not certain is going to be playing. Um, I mean, prospects maybe, but even then I really am an adverse to drafting prospects in DCs too. So I I'd be steering, steering clear. Uh, I can understand why people would think about it, but I just, I can't, I can't do it. Right. No, it totally makes sense. Uh, part of my brain was like, maybe um, what if I just get eight innings, you know, of one earned run? I'll take it with a 50th pick. <laughs> you never know. I might be able to use that at, some, at the end of the year. But um, yeah, I know he he um, had a Tommy John. He was, I think, like one of the first pitchers to um, actually, Maeda was the first one to get this also, this internal brace that it's supposed to, you know, quicken the timeline to get back. And um, I don't know, it's supposed to be a new innovative type of uh, procedure to add to the Tommy John. But, you know, I was just thinking as a 50th round pick, it might be, uh, you know, you, I guess uh, using um, high leverage elite pitcher would be much better. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to throw it out there. What about Max Muncy? So I was watching the injuries for when he got hurt, and it's the same way Reese Hoskins and Garrett Hooper got hurt. They extended their arm for that wide throw at first and just snapped their, you know, their arm back um, and popped their elbows out. But 
Why do you think that Muncie was like the only one who didn't get the Tommy John or any type of elbow construction surgery? And, you know, like, you know, cause it seemed like it worked for Hoskins. Um, I know Cooper went that route, but um, I don't know. Do you, it, you guys think there's a reason why they, they told him, you know, to avoid the surgery. And do you think at this price where he is right now, he's about 160 ADP in uh, DCs and OCs, I think he was like 175. Um, I don't know. He could provide a whole bunch, you know, if he's able to swing. But I don't know. Why do you think he avoided the surgery? I mean, the one thing I, I can think of is he's a little bit older than the other players that have gotten it. At least, um, you know, Hoskins. Uh, Muncy's already, this is going to be his year 32. Um, he's only got one more year with the Dodgers and they have a club option. So maybe he just felt like he was a little worried about having that type of a procedure done, um, missing some time, having an impact, whether the Dodgers pick up his contract or not option for next year. I don't know. That's what I always <laughs> tend to think about is just like financially, he's trying to do everything he can to make his money now because yeah, he's, he's on the, he's on the older end of things. Um, because he started so late. That's a good way to look at it because you got to put yourself in the position. That, that's a good point. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. That's why guys like pitchers like Cueto and stuff didn't want to get it because they were so old. They're like, if I go get surgery now, like, is am I really coming back? Uh, yeah, it has to be bad enough. Like Verlander got it because it was bad enough type thing. Right. Where where Muncie, I guess, is the whole thing is you want to do whatever it takes not to get cut. So if you can say, like, I can rehab this or I can get a couple PRP shots or whatever and hope it comes back, great. Uh, he plays a position that doesn't require him to throw a ton, which which could help. Like he's not having to throw 95 heaters. And you've seen guys be able to hit in those scenarios. Um, like look how quick um, you know, he had surgery. When Shohei had surgery, he came back hit pretty quick before he could even throw a baseball. So you got stuff like that. So maybe he just wanted to rehab it and swing with the DH coming into play, play some first base here and there and go that route. It's still kind of scary because there's kind of those mixed reports last week of, things that came out that he's having trouble even start just started swinging a bat or trouble swinging a bat and all those kind of scenarios. And I I've just been off of him all, all draft season because there's so much concern there. There's where he's going. It's not like he's going to pick like 360, like you said, 160. So there's a lot of things going on. There's good like SP four fives. There's other positions that are like guys that will legit play every day without questions. Now, like, should, could they get hurt? Of course, but those concerns aren't there. And um, one thing I know I am and Toby, I'm pretty sure pretty much is that we don't take a ton of risk right away. Like we try to build that kind of foundation before we get risky. At least I do for sure. Um, and Muncie to me is, yes, he's been great, but uh, he's pretty risky. And it stinks because I even, it was probably November, December. I kind of, I was writing the first base for the black book and Muncie, like I was going through his profile and like, I always hate on Max Muncy, but you can write down like 32 plus home runs. You can write down like an okay average of great OBP skills plays all the time. Like I'm just a fool. I have like, we all have those dumb biases. The last time we were on the show with you, Rob, we talked about the different biases in fantasy right. and it's just one yep. of those things. And I was all ready to like, okay, let's go. Then no good news ever came out. And I'm like, well, I just can't do it. So he's off the board for me. Unless some miracle set of news comes out, we see him just hitting bombs in spring training. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. I think you would have to have like, uh, if I would to take a chance, I'd have to, you know, have a perfectly built team where I took on pretty much, you know, as least minimal risk I would, as I could. And I would, you know, probably roster him if I felt 
okay with it, you know, but still, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Maybe, maybe in the 200, it starts to get a little easier, but I think I've always had, uh, I've never looked at him in his range in like previous years where he goes. So I have this thing in my head, like, you know, I never drafted him then. Now he's hurt. Like, why would I draft him now? You know, so, <laughs> you know one of those types well, of things. He doesn't really do anything special, right? I mean, right. he hits for a lot of power. The runs and RBIs are pretty good being in that lineup, but in the two categories that at least from my perspective, really matter, right? The stolen bases and batting average, he's not really doing anything for you. And he's also taking up a spot where you usually look to get stolen bases and maybe some right. batting average in second base. So yeah, good point. I good think point. it makes yeah. sense. I'm in the same spot as you. Yeah. I, I mean, if he, if he didn't have multi-eligibility, like if he was only, you know, first base, he'd probably be going down with like a Sano maybe, right? I mean, somewhere in that range, that type of player. I don't know. You know, but I think the multi eligibility is uh, people are drawn drawn to that as well. You know, um, yeah. what about Shane Bieber? Uh, said he's healthy and he's ready to go. Are we buying or selling Shane Bieber this year? Toby, what do you got? Uh, it's a little too early for me, honestly. Like I'm gonna stay away from him probably. And I know it's kind of like that debate of like, well, you could get a discount now. And once he shows that he's healthy, then you're gonna have to pay up for it. But I don't mind doing that. You know, I'd rather have kind of a little bit of a known commodity. I think the key for me is the velocity. Like we hopefully will get some spring training readings on him. And as long as he's around where he's been in the past, I don't see a reason to be too worried about him. Obviously like the shoulder issue is the shoulder issue and the best predictor of future injury is past injury. But it's also like, you know, he didn't have an injury for however many years before that. Um, he's going to be in a pretty good division. He's still, I mean, even when he went down, the strikeouts were incredible. What he was providing last year for you, even maybe with a little bit of a, some challenges with whip and with Babbitt and stuff. So I, I would still go with Bieber as long as he's healthy and the velocity is near what we've seen in the past, um, from him because yeah, I mean like the type of pitcher he is with the different pitches he has. Um, he's never really been like, he, he's never had to have that really good velocity. Like he's been a very good pitcher with the lower velocity and an absolutely elite pitcher in the one season that he had the higher velocity. So I still would feel uh, okay about getting him. And I think he'll probably move into that like first half of the second round if he looks good and healthy in spring training. First half of the second, you think possibly back end of the first? Uh, it, it definitely could be. I mean, I think could be, people, right? I think people generally like when I think about it, it's like there's Cole, I think there's DeGrom is there too. I mean, he's like one, one, if he's healthy in spring training for me, like mm -hmm. there's DeGrom, there's Cole, there's Burns, there's Woodruff, there's Wheeler. Yeah. Everybody seems to yeah. like those guys. Uh, you know, Scherzer, like, I think a lot of people like Scherzer. Some people have concerns because the, the, the late season injury for him in the playoffs. But like that's six guys. I don't think he's going to go ahead of those guys. I could maybe see him going in front of Scherzer. But I mean, that's right around where he was going last year. And as long as he's healthy and, you know, we can handle a little bit of added injury risk, then sure, why not? Right. I could see if all those guys went in the first round and a team maybe didn't want to miss out and would, you know, jump on him maybe in the end of the first. But yeah, like you said, I, I completely have those other pitchers going before him. I was um, reading, you know, Sar 
you know, Sarah's an article on the um, athletic. He had Jeff Zimmerman work with him on like doing the projected IL days for pitchers. And Bieber was fourth with 52 projected IL days. Um, there's, there's some pretty interesting numbers on that list. I don't know if you guys looked through it, but um, yeah, I, I definitely think that if he looks good, if he's got the velo and, and the ball moving well, I think um, he's definitely a guy that I might even start trying to get in the second round for sure. Yeah, for me, it's uh, until I see or know it's his word versus what. Like, of course, every player is going to say they're healthy coming into spring if, if they are, but I want to see it because, you know, you guys mentioned all the other pitchers that are there right now. I feel much more comfortable taking my chances there. No need to take the risk. No need to jump him for over Wheeler or something like that at this point in time. So he, right now he's a no for me. Again, like Toby said, you could be missing out on perceived value or something, but – I'm good with taking what I know right now and going from there. And if Beebs is good, then more power to him. But it's similar to like the Muncie thing and stuff. The fact he didn't get anything done, it's is it possible it can reoccur earlier? That might be why he's projected for 52 days on Zimmerman's deal. It's one of those kind of situations. He didn't get it fixed. He just rehabbed it. And that's kind of a scary situation from a guy that wants to keep pumping gas. So it's not good. We'll have to ask what Dr. Dave thinks about this. I should have had him on yeah, right now. Yeah, you need to have a Dr. Dave podcast to... <laughs> answer all those. Like once we start getting like actual players in spring training with reports with team doctors, that's he's gonna have a busy schedule ahead of him. Oh you yeah, should, you should have like one of those beep 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 segments, you know, where you have like a little like you know, <laughs> like you had Phil in there for like a few, like last season, I think it was. You could have Dr. Oh, the Dave robot. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the Dr. Do, like, Dave Dr. Dave's injury report. You know, and he could give us like his little update on Bieber and send us in the get, right direction. Get Zach Waxman to give you the login code and you'll be good. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's doing a lot of things right now. Yeah. He seems like he's busy with multiple personalities. But, oh, yes. Uh, in a big way. Uh, yeah. I don't have even enough time to like treat Rob individually. I don't know how he's <laughs> serving others inside of him, but <laughs> pretty impressive. <laughs> oh, geez, so true. So true. I wanted to talk about you guys um, as, as friends, as podcast partners, as analysts, um, as fantasy players um, through your relationship. You know, what's, what's something that you guys have learned from each other? I've learned Toby's like the nicest human being on the planet. Like you, can't, you just can't, uh, it's just like almost unflappable where right? I have like a, I know I'm a sarcastic a-hole a lot. People kind of will say I'm brash at times. So we, we are the yin and the yang in, in most pictures that when things are, it's like the odd couple. That's the way I look at it. But um, I guess if I have to say one thing that I learned from podcasting with Toby and people have learned as well, if you've listened long enough um, is the fast, it's pescatarian, correct? Pescatarian, mm. yes, yeah, he's yeah, pescatarian. Which man, Rob, gotta... Rob, I, Rob, I think you're vegetarian. He's a vegan. Vegan, yeah. See, I learned that from talking with Rob on a podcast. But from Toby, um, I think it was at the first barf draft we did, or one of our podcasts. I learned that. So that's one of the kind of you know hidden facts you can learn by you know getting to know somebody. Well, what Bubba means is like you go to the barf drafts, which is like the Bay Area Roto Fantasy League drafts, and we do them in a bar. And I'm like the only person who's like, well, there's, there's a couple of us, but I'm like, I think I brought like my, a salad from the co-op to the first yeah. one. So I was like, nuts, I had my like, yeah, stuff, yeah, I had like my nuts in my salad. I was like, a bunch like of dry in the mango back. or something like that. And everybody's like, what the <laughs> guy doing over here? Yeah. He's got um, his flannel shirt. Like he looks like he should be in the mountains doing his thing. Yeah. 
I really should be. I mean, he's really, always got I, the final shirt if on. I were to, if I were to follow my calling, I would I would yeah. definitely be in the mountains. Uh, I I actually live in the mountains, believe it or not. Yes, you do. Uh, That's what's funny. About it. I, I live in the pine trees. <laughs> yeah. You'd um, be on. You'd be the logo of like a maple syrup company. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, you'd be like the silhouette of like you'll be the face. He's the axe, the lumberjack. Yeah, 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 the axe in the back. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I I mean, that's perfect because I love desserts. I love sweets, but I also (laughs) am a pescatarian. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I think with Bubba, like I've I've learned about like keeping an open mind. I feel like I'm I'm like a pretty rigid drafter and fantasy baseball player in a lot of ways. Like I have very strong opinions or ideas about like drafting and you know how i like to draft i draft scared you know i'm always like what don't i have that i need what don't i have like i'm always (laughs) working from like a position of scarcity um which i think explains a lot of things but i think with bubba like when we're doing the podcast like he'll be talking about somebody that i like honestly like i looked at them and was i was like "Eh, i'm not even gonna like talk with you like i'm not even gonna spend the time and then like you know, you end up like learning, uh, you learn, learn these great facts and, you know, he swayed me on like a few guys that, um, you know, maybe heading into a draft I wasn't even considering and really opened my eyes to it. And then I'd also say like the thing Bubba actually gave me, I mention this every time I'm on a pod like this with him is he gave me my first podcast opportunity. Um, he was the first person that invited me to be on a podcast, which was awesome. And he's done that for so many people in the industry as well. So he's so welcoming. Like he's an, he's an incredible host for um, podcasting. He makes everybody feel comfortable um, when he's doing the podcast. And he really is excited about like learning new ideas. And he has people on the podcast. And it's super helpful like to people. Like there'll be folks that they don't know about and they'll come out with a new metric or they'll come out with a new website that like, has some sort of database that you can use and Bubba has them on the podcast and really introduces them to the fantasy community in a way that's, you know, like he doesn't have to do that. Right. Like, um, but he reaches out to people who may not have that audience already and gives them the opportunity to, uh, to shine on podcasts and then invites them to be on, you know, podcasts every week with him later on, you know, (laughs) I'm glad people can't see this video right now. I'm red. (laughs) No. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a hundred percent right. I mean, that's a, that was a, that was a well, that was a well laid out, uh, ode to Bubba right there. It was perfect though. You're a hundred percent right. I have, I have some poetry I could share with you guys about. <laughs> save that for the, save that for the secret pods. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's great. No, I think you, I think you nailed that. I mean, I, I love when you're just hearing about a random person, like you said that all of a sudden I start diving into their stuff because because Bubba had him on and um, it's just great. It just, it just opened up your eyes to, uh, you know, so that's kind of a way like you, that you get better, you know, absolutely. You, uh, you let, me, let me comment on that real quick. And this is not about me, but it's about these new people that you guys are talking about. And I know Rob does it a lot with NPCP, like the, the gentleman you had on last week, doesn't even have a Twitter account. Like, so no one, unless you're in the circle knows who these people are. The reason why I bring these guys on, and I've said it from day one, is, you know, you could do the big time podcast where you have the same like 12 guests all the time. And that's cool. They're big names. They're fun. But I think if you're listening to a podcast or you're doing a podcast, you should, like Robbie just said, you should be looking to learn. 
And so I try to look like I'm learning with these guys. Like I even, even for your thing, I have the show notes here so I can write things down. I have the show I did with Modica today. I have a whole thing of notes right here. I take notes while I'm recording to keep asking quite like I'm trying to learn. I go back and look at them. So that's why I have a lot of these people on like Carlos Marcano who does specs. I've had him on like <laughs> three times now because that was one of the coolest metrics ever. And he's such a smart dude. Didn't have a big audience. Now he's got a huge audience. He's a, like, should have been a writer of the year and stuff. Like the guy's amazing. But, um, I, I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff. And because like, well, I guess it's your next question. So I'll leave it at that, but you learn from these people and become a better player in those ways. Right. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I totally feel the same way. <clears throat> I, I try to get, I mean, it starts out as just a conversation, you know, and then I just try to absorb anything from that. I feel like I just try to do that in life as well. I feel like uh, a lot of people are always in a rush to talk and never listen. And I try to be that person who listens and absorbs everything and then asks questions and then get to, you know, what, what I want to say. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like (laughs) it happens more and more these days where I'm talking to people and they just feel like they're just ready to talk, you know, before they even hear what I say. And I said, you know, just fascinating to me. Everyone's just such in a rush to always just get something out. But when you listen, when you have your ears open, you actually hear what people are saying, your communication gets better. You hear things that, you know, like being in the moment and really like listening to people and, uh, you know, I feel like it's a, a valuable tool to, uh, I don't know how this became a quick meditation pod, but anyway. And Rob, you do a fantastic job of that for sure. That's one of the reasons why the pod is, is awesome to listen to. And I mentioned at the beginning is because you give people the opportunity to talk and you ask really thoughtful questions and you're trying to learn. And it's clear to the listeners who are listening that that's what you're trying to get out of it, right? Is is to learn and and give people the opportunity to teach in some ways as well. So, yep. um, kudos to you guys. I'm sharing the stage with two fantastic podcast hosts. You need one person to interrupt everybody and be the guy who wants to talk all the time. That's me, <laughs> Bubba. How how has how has Toby um, helped you improve as a podcaster? Tell me, as a podcaster, yeah. Um, he has helped me uh, listen more, listen a lot more. <laughs> but on, on our last podcast, Bubba, Bubba, Bubba was like, uh, he, he yeah. threw some shade my way because yeah. I was just like talking for days. I was like, I like, I was like 10 like, minutes ago, he mentioned yeah. this point. <laughs> and Justin Mason's in the comments like, oh, I did, when did this turn into a solo pod? And then I'm like, oh man, I need that. I need that filter. I need that like person being like, no, he's he's made me uh, like <laughs> he's made me talk like more analytical. I guess at times I don't all the time. I I keep it pretty like I, my joke is caveman a lot. But um, he he's opened my mind to so many things. That at worst, I could be like, "Hey Toby, I know you can figure it out in like two minutes. Uh, what's the like, what's the three two counts on uh, this one? <laughs> like you got it right there. Let's make it work." So it's uh, it's it's a great uh, combination. Like I've said many times of two different kind of ways of breaking things down and looking at it. But in the end, we're trying to do the same thing. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's really, really fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's why you guys, my favorite pod. It's just, it's just a great conversation. Oh, see Justin Mace, when you listen to this, we're his favorite podcast duo. We're Justin's second. So yeah. just like, remember. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. Hands down, hands down. You guys got it. What about as, as, as fantasy players, is, is there a specific, 
you know, um, area or, or, or um, how did you guys become better by podcasting with each other, talking about, you know, all these things that you're talking about on, on the pod, the ADP, the review, the preview, all that. I mean, for me, like Bubba, I think does a really great job of understanding what people like listeners are going to be interested in hearing or like what, what is going to be helpful to them. Like mm-hmm. when they are, you know, at a given point in the season, I know we did like the, we did the season reviews and we were kind of having like a discussion on like, okay, what, what should we do here? Like, you know, cause I think the season before, I can't believe, I can't remember. I think we, yeah, we hopped into the previews right away. And then we did like, kind of like a, a preview review, I preview, think. Review, like, yeah. Preview review. Yeah. Like close <laughs> to the season. And he was like, now let's like, let's mix it up a little bit and do the review. And I can't tell you how much I learned from doing those reviews, you know, like hopefully the listeners did as well, but like there were guys who had seasons that I had just totally ignored. Oh, wow. A lot of wow, a lot of wow moments. A lot of wows where I was just like, oh, like <laughs> Tyler O'Neill was like good. Like what, like when did all the, when did all these stats accumulate? Cause I was not paying attention when that happened, even though he was on a couple of my teams, like, so I just think like being really thoughtful and thinking about putting p- putting from like the listener's perspective on like what is going to be most helpful for them, you know, to learn or, or what will be most helpful for them at this point in the season. And I think we've gotten some really good feedback on on the various episodes that we've done. And I mean, I wish I could say like I, I'm driving the ship, but I'm not driving the ship. I'm not driving the ship at all. It's all Bubba. So I think he's just really thoughtful and thinking through like what what can be helpful and how we as a podcast and what we bring to the table can, um, can help our listeners. Right. That's totally true about the, um, uh, about the uh, review podcast, because I feel I, I was like reviewing, but reviewing my teams in general and my drafts and my overall team stats. I was looking at those things kind of first for players, just reviewing like, uh, you know, things I fell short on. And, um, and then there's also a point where, you know, was in a draft with Weimer already uh, teaming up and then got into another draft. So it's almost like, um, you know, the reviews were perfect for me just because like you said, it brought, it brought to like players up that I had missed or didn't really pay attention to a lot of the season. And um, so it was, uh, it helped aid my, um, you know, my early season DCs with kind of uh, hearing about a guy and looking more into him for sure. So that's good point. Um, Bubba, how, how has um, Toby made you better? Um, he's made me, well, besides listening, no, as a, as a, uh, as a fantasy player. Yeah. The um, fantasy player. Oh, uh, first, the first one that comes to my head every time is before Toby and I started really podcasting together and it wasn't, I, this isn't shade at Toby, but just the way I drafted was the old school way. I thought drafting pitchers really was stupid. Like I thought it was just mm. dumb, but like you listen to someone as smart as Toby, as successful as Toby and the way he explains it. And I'm like, got a point there like he's got right. a point so i like I, I started like doing you know 
fifties in a, in a busy fifties or something. And I'm like looking at my team going, okay, this makes a lot of sense. And so then from there, it's just like, okay, how do you, you know, catchers really real Muta? Why? Like, why is this stupid? And then it's like, okay, well, you got a point there too. Like you just, you start looking at these things and um, it's kind of how Toby mentioned where I'll bring up a couple guys that he's kind of like, no on. And then you think about it and look at it. Same thing with me. And it's uh, if it's not players, it's, it's more like roster building. Um, there's different ways to do things. Open your mind to that. That's one thing I've really done this season is, I don't, I go into a draft kind of with an idea of what I want to do. And it might be based on where I'm starting in the first round per se, but I'm not like locked into a format where I have to get this, that, and the other. It's more so, okay, make sure after like round six, seven, or eight, I have this. Not after round one or two, but after like, like build your team like in, in sections or whatnot. And, and then your roster construction from there. And that's a lot of it's due to Toby just like opening my mind to different styles in that regard and not just being like hard-headed and caveman-y like no you can't do this it's dumb we've done it for years you can't do this and um it, it's that's been one of the that's one that comes to my head all the time that's definitely a good one for sure i i i still have a lot of caveman-y inside of me bubba i think it's good to have some <clears throat> caveman-y um you can't let go of that that style it still has oh, to, the, the, it'll yeah. always be here yeah yeah if people yeah. just see me they'll go like there's no way like you can't not be but, right, um, it, right. It, 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 i have to be a little more like teddy bear too mm-hmm. have, have you guys seen the uh the caveman lawyer skits on saturday night live from back in the day that phil hartman oh, used to do those yeah. are good oh those are so good yeah. i don't understand most, these phones most, you have yeah. Most things Phil Hartman did were pure gold. Oh man, it's, so he's amazing. So good. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, Rob, what we have to do since we've opened uh, Bubba's mind up is really push him on the path towards uh, vegetarianism. You know, yes. I see these pictures of you know the barbecues that he's doing out there you're, with you're all that hate meat. What I'm doing on Friday <laughs> with, with all that meat, and and all I'm thinking about is just like, wow, think about if that was like marinated tofu. Like, I mean, that would be so good. Oh, so good. I, I eat a lot of salads. I love salads. I, I farm and grow, I bring my home lettuce home. I love, I love salads. I love fish, but I, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to give up a nice rare, like piece of meat. Like tomorrow is our, one of our, the, the, one of the fundraising organizations I'm a part of, we're doing our yearly corned beef and cabbage feed. So you guys would be just like, mm like no no but mm. we raise a lot of money so that's what we do and i'll eat way too much corned beef tomorrow that's just gonna be the way it's gonna be but so maybe so maybe I'll bring it'll, a be salad. Del- it'll be delicious too. maybe i'll bring a salad and some nuts and eat next to you at the barf draft on saturday till- <laughs> that's what uh that's what when i for saint patrick's day we used to do that in my family we'd have corned beef and um for some reason we decided to start eating dessert before uh before dinner uh, on Make, saint makes, patty's day it's so making more it's sense now, Toby. it's good stuff yeah <laughs> well, Bubba, I'm sure you're gonna enjoy that. Everyone should eat what they want to eat. I'm yep. not. I don't push anything on anybody. It's okay. My doctor <laughs> thinks I should probably be more vegetarian too. So <laughs> <laughs> I was joking as well. No, oh, I don't no need I to know. convert. See, see, the thing is, I can take sarcasm. Most people can't. I totally can. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Bubba, I think you you mentioned um, <clears throat> like. Um, you know, focusing on the, on the pitching and the catchers. I feel like it's funny when I first started listening to you guys podcast, that was like the first kind of like link I had to the podcast. I remember Toby, you know, his love for the catcher. And like, I, I 
you know, I haven't been playing Roto that long. Um, my my oldest home league um, been going on since 2000. It's head to head. It's always been head to head categories. And, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of people think it's like, um, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, it's definitely foolish to do it in 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 leagues that are like, you know, not Roto style or not in the NFC. And I've always been a fan of getting two good starters because um, Baseball HQ always has like a great um, look into like domination and disaster starts. And they have a percentage listed um, of, you know, what percentage a pitcher will have a disaster start on a given week. And I always targeted pitchers who like my my top two or three pitchers I wanted them to be guys who didn't have disaster starts because in head-to-head you know you could lose that ERA and whip so easily so I always um tended to like you know whittle down my my staff options and it was always top guys and it was you know it's a keeper auction league so things get a little you know um there's more in play than a regular draft or auction league but um, I was never afraid to keep pitchers at a higher price or go up for them and have, you know, two of them or three of them. And I feel like um, when I started to play more Roto and again, when I started listening to the pod and I heard about the whole, you know, pocket aces thing and taking two or three pitchers at, you know, in the first two or three rounds of the draft. And you now I was like, oh, this kind of makes sense, you know, a hundred percent. And then once you, you know, once I really started to get absorbed into the fantasy landscape with reading like the process and all that it was, you know, seeing the data that it could work, you know, it works. So um, I remember, and the catchers too, I've always been a big catcher guy. Uh, so I was like, Oh, he likes catchers too. I'm in <laughs> like, and then uh, I remember from the very first episode, I was hooked and just hooked by like uh, the way you guys talked. It was just like a simple conversation. It was nothing being forced out very uh you know and you guys like you said you have very different styles but you get across your points and you help people down the right path all the time you know so appreciate, appreciate you guys um <clears throat> thanks Bubba, you mentioned that you can't have a teammate because you are way too stubborn so i wanted to know what would it take for you to team up with toby and would toby would toby be welcome in you with welcome <laughs> with uh welcome arms <laughs> Well, like I, I, you never say never, right? But for me, it's almost more I'm doing it for the other person to say no because if I commit to something, like I really want to commit to it, but I know how crazy my schedule is, and like just Toby and I, we've had to reschedule shows just because you know stuff comes up and everything. And I have like such a I, I'm a dummy, so I have so many like once the season starts, I have like an article every night. I have podcasts, like I have too much stuff going on, so I have to like fit my leagues in somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. So to coordinate with someone else to not like make their life miserable and on my schedule that would be complicated and plus i am very stubborn so it's just uh it could the drafting part could probably work it's just like the in-season time commitment i would feel bad kind of making someone probably do most of it on their own right i get that i get that it makes sense um it's not easy. You know, I, I teamed up with Jenny this year and it, it was, it was, it was easier for that because I think that she's just so good. She, and she has a mind that like pretty much works how I like to think. And 
just very easy to make. Uh, it was easy to make choices um, that maybe I wasn't fully endorsing, but because of the way she presented it to me, like it made sense. And I think that's important that because in the end too, you know, especially during like fab, you know, I don't know if I want this guy for six bucks. And then and like, maybe the guy wanted was terrible anyway, you know? So <laughs> you gotta be like that. Most of the, most of the, like the likes that you have, um, some, you know, they don't work out as well so just to have another brain thinking um you know kind of helped a lot that's the part that's the part that's intriguing though is like a sounding board like that part's intriguing but it's just one of those like i I, i'd feel so bad because like toby does his saturday night where i'd probably wouldn't be available and then i do a lot of mine like sunday afternoon or something where he's busy i guess there's just so many like little things in there that it'd be very very complicated and we I don't want, to, and I don't we, want him to reschedule his life from his family. Like that's just silly right. for a fantasy yeah. league. So right. it's it's tough. Yeah, we had a moment where Jenny was like, "Oh, um, I set the lineup, you know, on Monday, or a lineup's good, you know, I'll check it if you need." It. And I was like, "Oh yeah, boom, it's perfect." You know, it's just having another what you know it's like having an assistant but just a teammate (laughs) you know it's just perfect you know even with the fab those maybe weekends where i needed to spend more time in my main and same as her and it was uh the weekends where i didn't have that many moves make you know i'd be like oh i i have a fab bid in already if you want to take a look and be like oh great because i don't have time but you know that looks good or maybe we could switch this real quick sure fine boom and that's it you know um tried to make it simple as simple as possible but um definitely uh definitely an interesting situation so toby would you have bubba as your partner if he's ready i mean not not after what he just said i mean about how he's stubborn and you know he's not going to move he doesn't want to ruin my life and i don't want to ruin his life no i'm just kidding um i think i mean i i we could definitely make it work we could definitely make it work the thing about me is like i have i have some fantasy baseball ideas that I feel very passionately about. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of like middle of the road stuff, you know, like a lot of player decisions are like 51, 49, 52, 48, you know, they're not like, I don't have this overwhelming feeling to go a certain direction or not. If I do, then I kind of all weigh in. Um, But if not, it can actually be kind of annoying. I think to be on my team because I'm like into, I'm very indecisive, you know, I'm like, Oh, I can see the reason for this. I can see the reason for that. So Um, you know, I probably, I probably wouldn't because I'm not going to add another team this year. I'm really trying to kind of cut back a little bit, but, um, uh, yeah, we could probably make it work. Maybe we could do a DC together. So we just had to worry about like setting the lineup, but it is really nice, like to be able to bounce ideas off of other people. Um, and then also like when it comes to the lineup setting, like, Hey, I just saw like, you know, I was just on Twitter and I saw that so-and-so is, you know, now the starter. And so instead of having, you know, four righties, it's now, it looks like it's going to be two and two or three and one, you know? And so, um, let's get this guy out of the lineup. Like those types of things are super helpful to just have like a second pair of eyes. Absolutely. Um, Especially when you're at the beach on Monday and, uh, yes. And your partner catches it. I'm super annoying like that. Where like all my vacations I take are over the summer pretty much, you know? Yeah. 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 And so it's just like, I'm like, Oh, you know, like I, I share a team and, uh, uh, and it's just like, I'm, 
you know, like I'm like, I'm like, Oh, like next weekend, I'm going to be like in the mountains or like, you know, this. And like, there's so many times, like I, I can remember like being in bed and like, I have my phone in my hand and I'm like trying to do fab on my iPhone, you know? And it's, I'm like trying to like tilt it in the right direction. So I get like two bars or whatever it is. Cause I'm out <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, please go through, please go through like saving this thing, you know? So you have to be a little bit flexible to be a partner with me too. Cause I'm kind of a little bit all over the place in the, on the weekends. My family sacrifices a lot for my fantasy hobbies. So I try to limit the amount that like I, you know, ruin their weekends in addition to me just always being preoccupied and like <laughs> looking at my phone and being like, he stole a base. He stole a base. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It's uh you got to find that perfect balance. That's for sure. You know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk a little about battle of the pods last year. Um, I came in first, Bubba, you came in second, Toby, you in third. Um, oh, wow. Look at that. Uh, I mean, Toby, you in fourth. Sorry. You oh, fourth. my God. Bad. I thought, I thought we were one, two, three. That would have been Zach, something. Zach was but... third and then you were fourth, but you were up there in, in the middle of the year. You were right yeah, you were breathing I, I behind my neck and then you had a little second half um, falter there. Um, but you had actually, Toby, 1,100 more at-bats than Bubba and 300 more than me. Um, Bubba, you still pulled out a, a 44 offensive points, um, good for 10th most batting points in the league. Um, and you had the most innings pitch, second most Ks, and tied for second in save. So you have 64 and a half pitching points. Um, tell me a little bit about your team. What, did it did it play out like you thought? And um, maybe why why was the um, at bat um, tally so low? Was it from injuries or just um, from players not really getting the roles that you thought? A uh, couple things. It, I, I am shocked it turned out as well as it did because I know Zach put a tweet out at some point in the season. Like two of my top, I think, three or four picks were Luis Castillo and Eloy Jimenez. Mm-hmm. So um, the fact that that hung on was – and I think I had Lucas Giolito in there as well. So um, that's kind of fun that that worked out so well. But um, I guess the at-bats thing, a couple things. I did have a ton of injuries. I think this might have been the league where by like the last two to three weeks of the season I had no first baseman, like none at all they're all injured all of them um but there's a lot of a lot of injuries throughout the season but the biggest thing the biggest thing and it's something i've been preaching all year this year and in any, any pod i've at, been asked on or talked about lineup construction lineup or, or roster construction um because of you steve weimer and many others i didn't know the proper construction of a dc the way it should be done and of course I learned a lot of this after we drafted because we drafted like buffoons in like February 1st and uh, didn't have a whole lot of stuff going on to, to know the whole cha-cha there. But I, I learned like, okay, you need X amount of players at each position. You need these many pitchers and so on and so forth. And um, that sunk in this year. I could definitely tell you that my rosters I'm building this year are a lot different. So I'd imagine that's why my at bats were the way they were. Cause I know there's like, I always, I'm one of those guys that loves like mid-tier starting pitchers. Like I can find so many that I love, even though it's like the glob or it's whatever you want to call it. So that's why I can probably rack up innings pitched. That's probably not an issue. But the at-bats is where I screwed myself by properly not uh, doing that, where I'm like, oh, I'll take this guy. He's in a platoon in the outfield. Yeah, that's a great idea, Bubba. That's a dumb idea in draft champions. So, um, yeah. yeah, so that's like one of those things that you learn 
by mistake. Luckily, my mistake didn't crush me somehow by some act of God because my hitters were good enough, the ones that were healthy. Right. But um, I wouldn't advise that. Yeah, I mean, you 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 nailed the Zach Wheeler, 79th overall. But, even yeah, you had Tony Gray, 49 overall. Um, yeah, interesting. But Tommy Edmond at 132. Yeah, but I was, yeah, yeah. And, but you nailed a couple of late pitches. You had Bassett and, um, at 192 and he evolved the at 229. So they definitely helped you pick up your innings for sure. But, um, and I, I like your little like late round Brandon Crawford, Michael Fulmers, and Darren Ruff at 49. You know, you had some, some nice, um, late round plays there that kind of, uh, helped fill out your team at the end for sure. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad the uh, DC expert. Signs off on that one. That's always good. <laughs> but you went back to Castillo and Eloy this year. You went back to the same combo. I saw that you had them. In, uh, Did I really? Yes, you have them in this year, too. You got Castillo at 102 and Eloy at 72. And uh, so long ago. So yeah. long ago. I, <laughs> it's so long ago. I, I think know. those are, that's got to be my only shares of both of those guys. I, 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 well, okay, for me, I actually told Toby on our recent show because our SP preview part one. Mm-hmm. But that, that with Castillo, I think I think we've overcorrected on this one because he was amazing basically after that first month, like one of the best pitchers in baseball. And really, if you look at all the peripherals and everything else, not a lot's really changed besides he's just got a bad team with bad defense. And we had him going like at the two, three turn last year. Why is he going at past 100 this year? Like if you want to say 70 ish. OK, that makes sense. But it's almost like an overcorrection where it's funny that I do have him now because I was thinking I really should kind of make a point to think, okay, if you're going for an overall, this is a dude that if you can kind of just click early could be that guy that skyrockets your potential. And Mm -hmm. why, why are we like overcorrecting it so far? So that's just kind of one thing that I I thought about. Jenny opened my eyes to it, talked about it with Toby the other night. And uh, that's funny. I did not know I had him. I need, I should go back and look at this team while you're talking. I should open Mm -hmm. this up. I mean, I'm intrigued now. Yeah, it's um, it's a, <laughs> and you know what? I think you brought up a good point because if you're doing a lot of drafts, and this is something I think the pause has got me to do, is I've been bringing up my drafts from early in the season, you know, and you really kind of look at it like, whoa, <laughs> where was I in my life when this happened, you know? Because this <laughs> is, <laughs> I feel complete, like not completely different about players, or just just a different construction team you know it's just a whole bunch of different players maybe for sure but oh, sorry, this is where i got bloody to it pick 12 thanks guys i appreciate that yeah 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 so i wanted to, yeah i wanted to actually ask you so right now you have is your fourth and fifth starter you have gonsolin and alzale so how do you feel about that yeah. right now you feel like that's enough to um no no, no you don't know pitching pitching um pitching got away from me in this one mm-hmm. as you can tell by what i kept doing later in the draft right um yeah. This was one of those, like, again, tough room. So every time I'd like have my cue set up, well, pitchers would be taken. And I'm like, well, I'm going to take the next best hitter because I like this guy a lot better than the next pitcher. And that just did not work in the end. So that, like, I still believe in Gonsolin. I think he'll be very good. I think he can get you 120, 130 innings or something like that. I love Alzale. I love Quantrill, Dunning. Uh, but there's a lot of got to run pure type situations here. Like I think yeah, there's no. enough to piece it together. Right. But innings pitch could be a big issue. I, I like I did like what you did there at the end for sure with Dunton at the end, but Dunning, Kluber, Mr. Uh, Patrick Corbin as well. Um, a couple of guys that in there for sure that can step up and throw you some innings, I think. We'll hope. Yeah, that innings pitch is a, a concern. That is a hundred percent correct. 
What are you expecting from, so you went Grisham and Badu in the ninth and 10th round. What are you expecting from those guys? Um, maybe in total. Uh, home I'm run embarrassed by looking at this draft, by the way. Like, I mean, those, are two, <laughs> those are two more guys that like, I don't think I have any shares of right now besides this one. <laughs> Like Grisham, I get, I, I could still get behind that one, but do the more I look at the do, I'm like, God, but don't like, just, just get over it. But, um, but don't, but yeah, don't, you're just, you're just hoping that he can uh, continue the OBP skills and maybe like improve against lefties. Like Toby just like hammered that into my head, not directed at me, but the more he talked about it on one of our shows, I'm like, yeah, that's probably right. It's probably very accurate. <laughs> um, he runs a ton, which is great, but also with like Riley Green and the other options there, he could easily get platooned. So like um, the more I looked at Badu, this is what happens when you don't have any real news. Like it just really just puts you in a hole. And um, yeah, that was that was not a great pick. That was not a great pick. Uh, but I like what you did with the closes. I mean, you got a nice class there earlier. You took a little mid shot at Joe Barlow, and then I like your 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 later on picks. I'm looking at pocket five eighty nine. Um, you got uh and and Wells and Stratton, which is mm-hmm. I like two of those back to back picks right there. I think you can pick up, you know, you're gonna get your 35 from Class A, and I think you you'll be able to fill in with those guys perfectly. I like the way you did the bullpen there. I plan on leading the league in saves. I might not have any pitch, but I'll lead the league in saves because <laughs> like Stamont, Stratton, Wells, yes, like Puck, Stamont Puck, too. I believe can be a closer by the end of the season. Like there's a lot of late inning guys I like a lot there, and then the thing with Puck. When I'm short of names pitch, he's I think he's either the back end guy or he actually starts getting some innings earlier in, in, in the deal. It depends on how he's how his health looks. So that was kind right. of a double a double option type pick there. I like it. Like it. I think they're gonna be used as a swing man for sure to, to start the season. Um all right, Toby. So let's flip over to you. You crushed the league in ABs as well, like I like you know, like you normally do in your DCs. Uh like I said, you 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 had uh three hundred at bat lift on me and 1100 from Bubba. Um, um, you had some great late plate appearances from the, like the J, the JP Crawford's and the uh, Robbie Grossman's late of the uh, world. Do you find any guys like that this year that you can, you know, kind of look on later in the draft and, 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 you know, bank on, you know, plate appearances like those two guys. Ooh, later on in drafts. Um, yeah, there are, there are some guys for sure. Um, you know, uh, I mean, Crawford's still like about where he was last right? year. I know, you know, I know. I, yeah. I actually haven't That's- drafted him a single time cause he just doesn't do quite enough, but in a DC where you're just trying to ground out, grind out those plate appearances for sure. Um, you know, one guy I have a lot of is Yandy Diaz. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a lot of Yandy. Um, I think he'll, he should get pretty close to full-time plate appearances with, uh, with the Rays. And I think there's some upside there. He's a high batting average guy. I feel like more, like more and more, at least this year, I was more focused on like, you know, filling in that positional eligibility with guys who were going to get plate appearances, but also thinking about like where my weaknesses might've been as I, as I built like my, you know, starting roster and where I could fill in. I'm kind of there, but like Nico Horner's another example, a guy that's not going to do like too much in terms of home runs, you know, maybe 10 stolen bases, something like that, but should have a high batting average and should play every single day. Um, uh, these are just guys from like my team that I have right here. Um, in terms of guys that I've been going after, I mean, that's like the name of the game and that stretch of it the, is, right. of the draft is just, that's all I'm really trying to do is get guys who I think are going to start on a regular basis. I'm not sure if my, 
battle of the pods team this year actually was like as you know like as successful i think it was a pretty sharp room and i had a harder time um than usual i'm just gonna pick up like some of the some of the guys that i'm drafting a lot and um figuring out like I mean, it's not super late, but like, you know, Tommy Pham is a guy that I have a bunch of shares of just because mm-hmm. like he's fallen a hundred picks, I think from where he was going last year. And he doesn't have a, he has, doesn't have a landing spot yet, but he's a free agent. This is his first chance of being a free agent. So I assume he's going to sign somewhere where he starts, you know, kind of on a regular basis. I have a decent amount of Carlos Santana. Like I know it's ugly. Yes. It's not necessarily <laughs> going to be beautiful. But I also think there was an injury last year that maybe hurt him a little bit. The batting average isn't going to be great, but you know they've got him signed for eight million, and you know the the plate skills from like a contact and um, you know walk percentage and the plate appearances I think still should be there. He's a switch hitter, so the platoon isn't really an issue for him um, either. So I've been looking at him. I mentioned Yand- Yandy Diaz is a guy. Andrew McCutcheon, another guy, right? He's going way late. He was pretty unlucky this year in terms of like just bad it from a batting average perspective, still hit for some power, still stole some stolen, uh, uh, got some steals. And he's also a guy who I think is going to get, you know, pretty much full-time plate appearances. Another free agent who, especially going into his last contract will probably be pretty selective in terms of going somewhere. He feels like he's going to play, um, on a pretty consistent basis. Ben Gamble is a guy who, you know, may not be as relevant in, you know, your, um, you know, your, your non DC, but in a DC, he should play every day for the pirates. Um, really good. Miguel Rojas is like my favorite player every single mm. year just because <laughs> he plays every day and like, he's going to hit like 10 home runs and steal like 10 bases and have a decent batting average. I thought Brian Anderson was your favorite player. Ooh. Oh man. He's, he bit <laughs> me last year. He got me, he got me. And, and also I don't know how the playing time is going to shake out with him in there. Yep. Right. So like, you know, they've they've got one too many mouths to feed and um, Rojas is definitely going to be playing. So those are some examples of guys that I just think are going kind of later on. And they're really just guys that I think are going to get, you know, plating plate appearances, Lurie Garcia, you know, um, Didi Gregorius is going really late and he'll probably end up with a starting job. If not with the Phillies, then, you know, kind of somewhere, maybe he's still on the Phillies. I can't, I can't remember. He is still um, signed for the Phillies. He is, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Josh Harrison, you know, is another right. one who I've been getting in a bunch of different places. I actually just drafted him and tout draft and hold, even though it's OBP because his batting average is good enough that even though he doesn't walk a ton, like he's still in the kind of like projection for like 315, 320 OBP, which, you know, isn't necessarily hurting you. So there's a lot of guys and that's really what I'm trying to do is just grind plate appearances there and be able to fill my lineup because I know throughout the course of the season, there's going to be plenty of moments when, I just don't have anybody else to put in there. And if I can get a guy who plays three out of four, two out of four, you know, or every day, I mean, that's going to be a huge, huge bonus. And yeah, you saw it with the, with that bats. Right. Uh, I think it is a little bit tougher this year. You know, there's so many more platoons now in the league that it is harder to grind those plate appearances, but it just makes it more important. Yeah. That, it definitely seemed like that in the draft for sure. Cause I think there's, there's like better quality platoon bats in ranges that are like 150 picks ahead of guys like gamble who aren't as good but will play every day so it's like you know that toss up you know which route you want to go you want a guy with maybe a lesser you know better skills but maybe not that clear path to pt or kind of a platoon player or you know you wait and you know you attack that later part of the draft um 
So last year you you did pocket aces in the uh, battle of the pods. You went Darvish and Nola, um, but then didn't dip back into pitching until in the thirteenth round, where went Drew Smiley, David Price, um, and Keiko. Um, do you? Oh man! <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. That, that's quite you gotta, cool. You gotta throw that back at me, right? Hey, I got a oh, bunch wow. of that. So yeah. it's your turn now. No, well, I re- welcome I remember- to my podcast. You drafted Drew Smiley, <laughs> David Price, and Dallas Keuchel with three consecutive picks. You win. You. I just remember being surprised <laughs> that you went back that late, yeah. you know, because I remember every round because we picked next to each other. I think I picked in between you guys and I was just always kind, you know, trying to, you know, gauge when I was going to take a specific player. And every time I took maybe, uh, you know, anybody, I know it was in the back of my head, well, this pitcher might not come back to me. And I just remember that being part of the drafting where I was like, when is he going to take his next pitcher? It did. Um, yeah, you waited, you waited. I mean, and it's it was- not necessarily that unorthodox for me, but I think right. who I, who I chose was, was, right. was what was problematic because I, I remember distinctly like during that draft, knowing that I was super light on pitching. And I think it was just one of those situations where sometimes in a draft, you like make that decision and like that 50, 50 decision of I've got to take two players. I like them a lot. I'm hoping this guy comes back to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was one of those drafts where every time I did that, I, I chose wrong. And so maybe I had like two or three pitching targets and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to play it here. I'm going to go with this hitter. And I ended up going. And I think, I think I'm trying to think about it, but I remember being, for some reason, I was like hyper-conscious of drafting hitters. I was really worried about how my hitting was building out for some reason. I can't remember exactly what it was, but, and so I kept on going with a hitter instead of like taking the pitcher like I should have. And then you end up like that. I don't like David Price. Dallas Keuchel and David Price, those are the only two shares that I have of them on any of my teams last year. And I'm not exactly sure. I think I wanted to get innings or I thought that I wanted to get innings. And I was like, hey, they don't have to be good innings. They don't have to be like quality innings. I can just get a bunch of garbage here. Um, And it just didn't work out. And it was unfortunate because the hitting, even though like, I mean, what ended up happening, honestly, was like you, Darvish. I was, I think I was either winning the league or I was right behind you, Rob, earlier on in the season when Darvish was lights out. And then the second half of the season, Darvish just totally, he was done. He was toast, right? And I had Nola too. And so I had two guys who were just blowing up over and over and over again, who ended up with ERAs well above four. And those were my two aces. And so I just wasn't able to keep that pitching up to a level where I was able to compete. And so it was just one of those like sinking ships where you're just like trying to bail out the water throughout the season. And you just realize, you know, I'm going to give up. And then you get into positions where you're like, Oh, like I really shouldn't have Dallas Keuchel in the lineup. I really shouldn't have him in the lineup, but I need to make up ground in K's or I need to make up ground in wins, or I need I need to get volume so that I can turn these ratios away. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then you end up in fourth place. And, um, cause yeah. I mean, it's actually really unfortunate because like hitting wise, I mean, I missed on some guys pretty badly. Like, um, I just had the draft up. I had like, I, I'm, I whiffed on Bregman. I whiffed on Torres. I whiffed on Jimenez. 
Um, but like, I also had Merrifield who was fantastic. I had Sal who was fantastic. I had Goldie who was fantastic. I had Altuve who was fantastic. When Buxton played, he was fantastic. Um, and then I yeah, also hit on like Nate Lowe and, um, Crawford was all right. I had Robbie Grossman, yep. I had Trevor, Trevor Rogers, uh, Alex Reyes from a closing perspective, Scott Barlow, Eric Lauer, you know, so I hit on like a few, a few, but not enough, you know, right. right. That happens, but it, I, 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 it, it was, it was a poor draft. It was a bad draft. It was probably the worst draft I did last year. You're always no, so hard they, on yourself. It's no, so funny yeah. how hard you are. I mean, that's the nasty I mean, run of offense that you had. You, you hit on all those guys who gave you so many different avenues and, and, you know, you did mention like the late Alex Reyes. So I noticed that you were able to put up 11 save points um, in this league and you went, you know, Greg Holland at 227, Hicks at 284, Leclerc 374, Chris yeah. Martin at 377, ah. all nothing. Ah. But then you nail Alex Reyes at 464, Scott Barlow 524. So you're able to again get to 11 save points um what's the sw- what's the switch up to this year getting two closers by pick 78 Ooh, and Diaz and Gallegos yes. yes well Gallegos I mean you did it you like did it mistake. last year successfully with late that stabs that looks like a mistake now that Gallegos <laughs> one well no i mean i think one thing that was like a real not like a revelation but like you know um our buddy Phil, like just thinking about like, you know, last year he went saves early. And I think the way that I've always thought about it is, you know, I don't want to go saves early because opportunity cost wise, right. I'm, I'm going after a guy who has a role and, and, and has skills. Like if I draft them earlier on, but I feel like it's better to go after like those hitters that I know are going to be good or those pitchers that are going to be good going on early. And I can get those saves later on and I can kind of backfill that but I took on too much risk. But what I, what I wasn't thinking about as well is like, when you think about the way that you build your teams is like, you know, when you're specking on all those closers, I mean, what is that? You mentioned four or five guys within six or seven rounds, you're doing all that specking and you're missing on guys who, you know, have access to plate appearances right? or you, who, you know, are in the starting rotation. Mm-hmm. And those, those later on hitters, those guys are much more likely to hit, right? They're much more likely. They're much more consistent. Like the research tells us like those hitters in, you know, those like not even like the, I mean, the, the zero to $5, $10 hitters don't hit that often, but like, you know, kind of like that middle range hitter is a really valuable um, thing to do. And I don't think I was ever thinking about what I was missing out on when I was going after two or three closer specs later on i was missing out on that and i was like you want to know something like i'm okay at identifying who those guys are going to be like you listed off right you listed off the jp crawford's the robbie grossman's like those guys who i had in a ton of leagues last year but so i feel pretty confident that i can identify some of those guys who may be really good values in that spot of the draft and, and so instead of, of specking on those guys who don't make any contribution to my team whatsoever, if I grab those closers early on, like, yes, I'm giving up a primo pick, but I've seen enough evidence that both the saves that they provide 
you know, the strikeouts that they provide and the ratio support that they provide and being actually good pitchers that do that. I think it's more than worth the opportunity cost that you're giving up for a hitter or a starting pitcher in a similar slot, because I feel better about my ability to draft those hitters that are going to hit later on. And so that's kind of a little bit about how I've switched up, just trying to learn, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, and I think I've been really rigid in how I approached closers. And now I'm like, you want to know something like every time in a draft, I'd be like, Oh, I I want these three guys, but I know I can only get one because I've got to get Emilio Pagan right here in like round 18 or Chris Martin or like whatever. It's like, well, actually, if I have two solid closers in a DC, like I can just spec on like closers way back. Like right. after, after the guys who have clear plate appearances are gone, you know, after the starting pitchers who are in the fourth or fifth spot in the rotation, but I like are, are gone. So that's like a little bit of how I've tried to evolve my strategy a little bit with closers. And obviously in a DC, it's different. Like I'm going, you know, pretty heavy closer early on in a, in a fab draft, like in TGFBI, I actually only took one really good closer. I took Bryzel Iglesias and I think. Um, and I didn't really draft a closer after that, but that's different because you can fab and you can spec really late on drafts or, you know, as long as you're getting saves throughout the season, I actually think that there are some available that come available later in the season where there's less competition and people have fewer fab dollars to spend. Yeah. That's, that's one tip I always heard from you about NFPC week that the save chances get, you know, they're in the, in the, uh, and the end of the year and it seemed like it you know when it was just more available but um i yeah and i think you touched on it great like you just took four or five picks and just i mean you 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 spec well later you know past 500 so you could still do that but eliminate those four guys and get two good ones yeah makes total sense Bubba, how are you going in your in your 50s um are you going at that same route with closers you're getting too early I get one for sure, and then if I can't get a second, I at least get like one or two of those kind of mid mid pack guys. So it feels like it creates two, and then right. a lot of specking late. Like you right. mentioned in, in our battle of the pod, if you look at my player shares page, I have a ton of Stomont, a ton of Stratton, a ton of a ton of those type of guys. Wells, like I have a lot of those guys. Thanks to our good buddy, uh, you know Greg Jewett and Ryan Roof, the work they do to kind of show us. Okay, these are the guys that are in line to close, but. These situations on you know, team A are not great. So look at these other options late in your DCs because, as you guys are saying, and we've talked about many times, is a lot of these teams will split up their saves throughout a year one way or another between poor production, injuries, or something. So spec on them now and DCs is tremendous. It's worked you know, great for Toby last year and other people that you can throw them in when, when, when you need to and get those, uh, those late saves. So I'm, I'm getting like I got like my class A's or – uh, I, don't, I don't have a ton of Hendricks and Hater just because that's a little too rich for me. I've got a few Hendricks, but it's mainly like Classe, Iglesias, Edwin Diaz. I kind of get one of those guys, and then I come with like a Barlow or a Soto or something along those lines, maybe a little sooner, and, and go that direction. Yeah, I oh man, it's it's so funny because it's a question I asked you guys. What are some of your favorite things about fantasy baseball and specking and nailing a late closer has to be one of my favorite things in fantasy baseball, especially especially the draft champions. You know, I, on a weekly basis, we're all you know pounding usage and leverage and all this stuff. And you know, I think it's it's kind of obviously a little easier, but when you're you know, when you're, when you're looking at it for like a broad season look, you know, and some guy that you spec on 
in round 40 becomes, you know, a closer for three weeks and gives you seven saves. And it's just those things in a draft champion. It was like, this is, this is why I play, you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's like, so it's so little and it doesn't mean anything, but I love it. So it's like getting a, it's like getting the guy in fab for cheap or the week before. And, and then you watch everybody pay out the arms for him later and you're sitting there going, yep. Yep. That's right. This is right. great. This is phenomenal. Right. Like your Finnegan move. You and uh, Phil uh, last year, like stuff like that. Yep, hundred percent. I totally agree with that. So, what real quick? What are your guys' favorite like my, like small things about fantasy baseball? Like something maybe you know, so something random that's like oh, I love playing base this game because of this. Bubba, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, for me, besides beating Toby and Battle of the Pods. Um... <laughs> It's uh, it's because uh, he beats me in every other league we've ever been in, like smokes me in every other league. So it's 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 nice. But um, the first I league it, I came in front of him in in a league that we played. Yeah, so the first, I know the, the feeling. Little, the little victories, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the little yeah, victories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's like um, when I guess we'll leave it. We'll leave the draft room out of it. But I guess it's one of those deals when you, you know you're going into a week or whatever, and you're setting your lineup, and you're kind of debating between player A and player B, and you're like so torn. And like Toby said, like I have 51, 49 propositions and stuff, and which one am I going to pick? And when you <laughs> pick the right one, it's like that justification feels so darn good. Like, and you're just like, oh, thank goodness, thank goodness, because now I can breathe and and I still have a chance. So I guess something like that, because you put all this time in, you make the picks, you make the fab moves, you do all this stuff. And then in reality, that lineup locks and you just like you put your hands up and you go, OK, please don't screw this up, guys. Please don't. Yeah. And so when it, when it, when those tough, tough decisions, because they're not all tough, like if you got, you know, Vlad Guerrero, you're playing Vlad Guerrero. Like that's just the way it is. If he sucks that week, he sucks. There's nothing you can do. But those tough decisions, when you get it right, there's that extra justification. Going, like, OK, that that work I put in the time where I probably could have been doing something more productive with my life turned out to be well worth it. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty good. Great one. Toby, what about you? I'll go like, uh, so like I am a frequent updater of my app on my phone, <laughs> you know, like not, I don't, I never look at the NFBC live scoring. I never look at that stuff. It's they have live scoring. Yeah. 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 NFBC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't have known. Cause yeah, I'm with you on what you're, where you're going with this. <laughs> I, I'm like, just on my little, like, I think it's like Yahoo sports tacular app or whatever it is. And so I'm always checking stuff. And just like when you're like looking at it and it's like, um, you know, like you, you see that there's been like runs scored or something like yep. that. And you just Wasn't open up guy. the app and you just like, <laughs> and you just see that it's your dude and you're just like, oh, oh hell yeah. You know, and then like you go to like, the NFC page and go check oh, the live man. scoring. <laughs> you're like, this is brilliant. But my favorite thing is when I go into that app and I go to the box score and stolen bases are the last column on the right. Mm-hmm. And when I go in there and I look at them for my guys and my guys have a little number in that stolen base column. Oh, I love that. That is like, that is it for me. You know, you're like, Oh, especially like when something's happened, like you're like, Oh, I know this dude was leading off and there was a run scored and you're like, okay, let's see. And he scored a run. You're like, let's see how this, like, let's see how this like transpired. And you just look in there and you're like, stolen base. That's Ooh. all that's all I'm looking for is um I get so much enjoyment out of just like following way too closely on my phone. 
um which is which is kind of embarrassing but also like oh no i I get in trouble great joy i get in trouble all the time like put your phone away and i'm like so and so's out the bed i'm watching the mlb app and it says (laughs) in play runs (laughs) (laughs) i need to know yeah oh it's just a sack fly you throw your phone at the wall yeah the old box score high and low i love it yeah because then like you know i i guess it's just my way of thinking i always think about the you know the bad things i can look at on my phone when when i pick up and like you said you see run scored and you know eight runs scored and it's the third inning and you know your leadoff hitter it's like over three with none of <laughs> with well, none of the action and you're like whatever it's, it's or, 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 else, or else you were you were starting the pitcher that's given up eight runs oh yeah and you're yeah. just like how many of these were unearned please tell me it's like at least three or four please tell me it's at least three or four and you're like nope it's zero it was austin gomber yeah you got gomber. It was it's, gomber. it's so funny you yeah. say that rob because <laughs> there'll be times like say you're actually busy so you're not like tracking it the whole time and then you open your phone and you're like oh it's the game the final score is like 10 to 6 my guys had to do something and it's like oh for four or three strikeouts and you're just yeah. like are you kidding me right yeah now? are you kidding me like, like you're better off sitting to. on the bench you scrub right. like you just start getting all like it's that's that's me side note two second story um the roto or roto the roto wear in play run shirt they sell so i was wearing it one day and i was eating at a restaurant or something and this guy walks up and goes i like your shirt i got so much joy out of that you have no idea it's a stupid <laughs> comment like that about in play runs thing i'm like you get it dude you get it that's all you i did you i was like code you get it <laughs> You know what's really cool? I, I, me and my wife uh, uh, went furniture shopping for a couch, you know, and um, I, uh, I sat down at this desk. I was tired of like looking at all the sofas, and I sat down at this desk, and my wife was like, "Oh, that looks like a cool podcast deck desk." And the guy who was helping up. He's like, "You have a podcast?" And I was like, "Yeah, I, I do a fantasy baseball." He goes, "No way." I never met anyone with a podcast before, you know? And I was like, <laughs> and like, I, I walked away and, you know, I was like, what a weirdo, you know? You know, and my wife was like, no, he, like, that was awesome. Like, he was so happy. He, he, he never met a podcast before. And I was like, I guess you don't meet one every day. It's like, yeah. you know, don't even like think about myself being a podcaster. You know, it's just so funny. Like it was such a random moment. And I was like, you know, he's like, what's it called? I'll listen to it. He goes, I don't follow fantasy baseball, but I'll listen to it. I was like, oh, cool. Damn, that's <laughs> great. Just such a random, uh, random thing. But speaking of random things, Toby, last year you um, started to dive into like, you know, three, two count type of stuff, uh, luck with um, mm. pitchers. And, you know, it's actually one of my favorite, like, you know, parts of your ongoing pods is like, you have like, hold on, let's go to the three, yeah. two count. Something stuff, doesn't you know? seem right. Let's check this out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, he's a big guy. And the three, two count stuff is like my yeah. two highlights. Oh, it's Tyler, Tyler Stevenson. Stevenson. Tyler, Tyler Stevenson. He's six, four, 265. I mean, big, big, guy. big dude. I mean, you think, <laughs> I think we compared him to big meat peed and, yeah. We literally think, looked up their yeah. height, heights yeah. and weights. Yeah, I was like, what, that's, how that's come what they haven't mentioned, lockout, folks? Yeah, yeah. How come they haven't mentioned body mass index yet? Yeah. <laughs> if this lockout would have went till May, we probably would have got deeper. Trust me. Yeah. So, right? Sure. Yeah. yeah, sprint speeds and like, oh, this guy's a fast guy but and a big guy. Grade, he got a growth spurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so yeah. um, I know, you know, I know you look at it and you know, like you kind of like 
on your podcast, you end up, you know, as okay, let's go to it. But I was wondering if you've ever like just pulled the three, two like numbers and kind of look at any type of anomalies or is it just something at the end of a, of a breakdown of a player you like to look at? Yeah. I mean, I, I have, I have looked at it. Like you can, it's pretty easy to just pull a list of kind of like the K minus walk leaders for a given season. I think the challenge with doing that is it really is kind of an individual metric, um, you know, hitters and pitchers will have different kind of career marks that they're at. And that's really what you want to compare them to, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, although, you know, it's still like a relatively small sample. So I guess maybe you shouldn't put too much, um, thought into the, into the career. I, I don't know exactly what the best way to do it is, but you know, it's interesting because over the course of a full season, we have like a really large, a relatively large sample of data, you know, 600 plus plate appearances, I don't even know what the total batters faced are for pitchers, but you know, a decent amount of to total batters faced for the pitchers as well. And, um, and so you have a fairly large sample, but within that fairly large sample, there are smaller samples of different metrics within that. And the three, two count is so fascinating because, you know, you essentially have one pitch that's determining whether somebody gets a walk, mm -hmm. somebody gets a strikeout or whether somebody puts the ball in play. And so in that sense, and then, you know, a pitcher might have like 80 full counts in a given season. And so essentially they have 80 pitches that are determining the outcome of 80 play to total batters face that they're going up against. And so when you have kind of pitchers that perform at the extremes, whether really poorly or really well, and also hitters that, that, uh, that perform at the extremes, right. Chances are that they're going to regress to the mean. And oftentimes when you see guys that may have like a random thing like this year, like Jose Barrios, I think is the best example for me where it's like, you look at it and you're like, this doesn't make sense. Like you had the highest strikeout rate of your career. You had the lowest swinging strike rate you've had in five years. Your CSW wasn't any better. Right. So it wasn't like you were getting more called strikes than swinging strikes. So there's, it's really hard to explain you know, like why, why, where did these K's come from? Mm -hmm. And some of it could be like, literally like, you know, of those 80 full count appearances that he had, you know, like 10 of them, 10 more went for strikeouts than they went otherwise. And you're like, Oh, that's not a big deal, but it's actually like, actually like in a regular season, he would have struck out like, I don't know, 30 of those guys, but instead he struck out 40. So like that actually is like a pretty significant percentage of the plate appearances overall, right. That the guy's going to have, it's like more than 1%. And so then you're boosting that K rate and it may not be something that they have quote unquote earned in a given season or on the other way, like should have earned over the course of a season. So there's certain guys who are always performing really well. And I think it's the names that you would expect, like the guys who, especially like guys who can dominate inside the zone, but there's a lot right. of guys where there's a lot of fluctuation in that metric. And so I think looking at that and trying to identify where something maybe doesn't make sense in a guy's profile, when you look at the ind individual skills that that can sometimes give us a little bit of insight of whether we should expect them to be able to do that again or not. Right. You know? Um, and so, yeah, I found it to be like somewhat useful. I don't know exactly how useful it is in practice. Like I haven't run any research to see like, you know, whether, whether they, whether or not they kind of regress the following season or more or more likely to do that, but it just seems intuitive that they would be more likely to get back to that same skill level that they were previously. No, it makes total sense. I, I kind of like going 
going into that too and 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 trying to i guess uh, i've always tried to um do my deeper analysis of it would like involve just maybe trying to decide if like you said obviously if a guy can dominate in the zone you kind of think he can repeat those skills for sure and just actually you know just trying to see between the pitch mix and how much he throws in zone you know like if he is like one of those nibblers or you know like who's maybe trying to get too cute even in the three two count instead of just you know trusting the stuff and putting it over the plate um it's fascinating though it's uh it's definitely it's definitely interesting for sure um and again i appreciate that uh that you know every time in the, in the pod we're like let's check the three two on this guy and it comes out because i'll be on my walks and i'm like shit i'm i missed that on that guy for sure you know because i think that's the one thing that you always bring up like where where do these k's come from i think you definitely have to put that on a shirt for sure with your i, uh, I never even considered looking at three twos right i remember like, yeah i was just like he pitched great this year like he improved his pitch mix. <laughs> and then like toby's like no dummy i guess is what it really is here you yeah. go man go go build your 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 rock wheel again and go yeah. figure it out so yeah you take away 20ks he goes from 10 percent strikeout rate to you know 8.5 and he's not that special and i'm hearing this like again like on my walks we're supposed to be calming and i'm like immediately want to go in front of a computer and you know do more <laughs> research you know <laughs> that's the the way my head works but bubba do you think there's anything like you know intuitively because i i always try to think of things like this like maybe you know something we're not looking at deep enough we're not you know to like really you know turn the tables on player evaluation but something like when you're watching the game just like you know what maybe this could be something like you know that maybe we're missing in evaluation or a projection system is there anything that maybe catches your eye that on that level uh, on that level i guess you could switch it over to like a hitter and um you can look into it, but like just situational hitting, I don't know if we pay attention to it enough because, mm. you know, like we do runners and scoring position. We'll look at that, but you know, late in the game, le- like leverage situations, like they always say like big poppy was clutch or stuff like that. Um, we talk about guys hit early in the order compared to late in the order. Well, you know, like the old joke when I, like I tell, told little league kids when I coach them, even my softball guys, when I coach them, um, it's they like, oh, I want to lead off. I'm like, well, the lead off guy only leads off once. And then mm. the, the, the things change. So, yes, they get more like at-bats that. in a game. Yeah, yeah more, more than likely. But, like, do they really, like, does player A really, you know, succeed in certain situations more so than others? And I think that's, I don't know if it's really worth it when it comes to the fantasy analysis, but I think there could be something to that. Because if they're on a good team, probably going to be in that position more often than not. So, like, I guess if a free agent guy moves and we all look at, like, you know, does this ballpark fit for him and all, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, look at the grand scheme of things. If he's, if he's hitting sixth in the Astros lineup or compared to the Tigers lineup, like, is he going to be able to take this leverage and, and run with it type situation? I don't know. That, that's just something that we could probably go deeper with. That, not the 3-2 level. That's like, that's pretty unique to a pitcher. And that's pretty insightful stuff because it does make sense. Like Toby said, it's either walk, a strikeout, or you get a hit. So it's right. like, you got those three scenarios. Off the top of my head, I can't think of an exact one for yeah. like a hitter. Um only other one is you could probably get deeper in the closers stuff like um like people do like the multi-innings four out five out stuff stuff along those lines which made haters so elite for so long um try, try to figure stuff like that out but the three two it, it's unique but like super good so it, it makes sense yeah because it like you said it, it, it controls it narrows it down one so single event you know on that one pitch and then so much can 
determined on that for sure. Um, another thing that you guys like to, you both like to go to in your pods when you analyze players at certain ADPs, you're, you're always talking about like, you know, I can find that source of, you know, stats later or find like a similar skill set later. Um, so just like kind of break down like how you guys anticipate, you know, those pockets um, of, of, of players where you, you know, is it through a projection source? Is it through like, are you guys just looking at like a skill filter and saying, okay, you know what, this kind of skill set I could get later. Uh, I guess just break down like how you come to those uh, conclusions on players when you're picking. Go for it, Toby. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, one of the things that I always do throughout drafts, and it's really helpful with DCs especially, um, just because like I see a lot of it as kind of draft prep. I mean, I'm definitely trying to win every single league, but it really helps prepare me for um, the drafting process is, you know, with every pick I, I select, I add them to my my spreadsheet, you know, and I, and I calculate what the projection is for, you know, batting average and hits and runs and all of that jazz when I'm going through it. And by doing that, like there's just certain way, ways that like, you know, my teams generally come out of it and they're, they're light on power, for instance. And so I initially, I'm like, okay, well, that's what I need to address. And so who are the guys that are left over that I'm looking at? And like, do I like actually want those guys on my team? So it's like, if I'm, you know, if I'm short on, if I'm light on power late, it's like, well, you know, and I've got my middle infield slot open. Well, like um, Eugenio Suarez seems like a really good guy that I can kind of plug in here where even though the batting average is very suspect, like you hope that the BABIP is going to improve like it has in previous seasons. But, you know, you're also looking at a guy who last year hit 30 home runs, despite how, you know, absolutely dreadful he was. Now, if you were to do that again next year, I hopefully I wouldn't have him in my team for three quarters of the season, but like, that's an example yeah. or it's like, okay, well, you know, projection systems really seem to like Bobby Dahlbeck. And it's like, do I believe in Bobby Dahlbeck? And it's like, I look at some of the rolling average graphs and I'm like, yeah, I think he's improving. Like playing time is a different story, but you know, so maybe that's another bat that I'm going to throw in. Like uh, some of it might be projections. Like the projections seem to think that Jorge Soler is very under undervalued. Right. And it's like, well, guess what? Like Jorge Soler, like the only thing that kept him from having a monster season last season was a lot of bad luck in the first half of the season. And he still hit, I think, close to 30 home runs. He was coming off a hit in 48 or 45 or whatever it was. You know, so there's a, another source of power late. Like even, you know, the guy who led the league in RBI last year, Adam Duvall, like I would not encourage anybody to draft him, but I did draft him in a couple spots. And like, he's going after pick, you know, 220. Um, so it's just really that. And, and there's also, and then it's also like, you know, sometimes I'm light on speed cause I'm going so pitching heavy earlier. And then I'm like, okay, like who are the guys who can provide batting average and steals that are going late? I mean, it's not a lot of guys, but you know, like Miguel Rojas, like it's not anything that's going to like, I, I can't be like, oh God, I'm going to get Miguel Rojas. Everything's going to be fine. But it's like, oh, well, you know, Miguel Rojas is not going to hurt my batting average. He's going to hurt my home runs a little bit, but he is going to get me like that much closer to my 80th percentile that I want to get to, you know? And so like, it's kind of a pretty like rigid way of drafting or approaching the draft. And it's never like that is the deciding factor. But I think when you put yourself in a position where you're light on that area and it isn't everything, right? Like we can't honestly say like you can be light on batting average going into the end of the drafts. Like you mm. just can't, right. Right. Like you can't be, you can be theoretically light on speed. Like 
you could create a team where you could say, okay, I'm going to grab Tommy Pham at pick 230. I'm going to pick Garrett Hampson at pick 245. I'm going to pick, um, like who's another good example. Well, there's plenty of like outfielders who are kind of like 10, 15 guys. Right. And yeah. so you can accumulate one of those guys. And like, all of a sudden you just drafted 70 steals, but your batting average is also like two forty, you know, for that group of guys and your home runs are, you know, you're averaging like 12 to 15. And so you're losing ground there. Right. So it's just like kind of going through those, those experiences and knowing like who the groups of players are. And I think that's one of the challenges, like sometimes I'm like, why have I decided to draft in the way that I do? Because it's not a, it's, it's fun, but it's like, I, I, I said it earlier, like I'm operating from a point of scarcity where I'm like, where I'm like, what's the most scarce thing starting in the first round? It's like elite starting pitchers. <laughs> oh my God. I got to get my elite starting pitchers. And then I'm like, Holy crap. I don't have any speed. I don't have any batting average. And I'm already in like round four. And then it's like, okay, so I really need to be getting batting average. I really need to be getting speed. I really need to be getting these things. And like, I cannot get home runs. And then it's like, oh my God, like I'm so light on home <laughs> runs. Now I got to like get home runs as much as I can. And it's like, it always feels like that. And it feels like my player pool just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm. And there are people who are able to do it in a very different way and still be successful. And I'm just not sure I'm like good enough to like operate that way and <laughs> okay. still be successful. Like I need to fit within like, you know, how I feel comfortable drafting. I guess it's just like how you feel comfortable drafting. And I feel comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm going to say, do you, do you live life that way? You're always thinking of the position of scarcity. <laughs> I'm always thinking about what my biggest weakness is. Yes. <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. I, I feel like um, the one thing that I find myself when I get to you know, locked into a specific style of drafting like that is that I kind of limit my upside just on, on specific players and not looking uh, for that, you know, that, that, that ceiling play or not, you know, it, it doesn't have to be filled with ceiling plays, but I feel like mm -hmm. I limit myself to even a, a couple of players that uh, may have better ceilings because I'm looking for that, that floor that I'm trying to get to, you know, that's really hard in DCs for me too, because right. I'm like, I've got that mindset. And then I'm also thinking played appearances, played appearances, played appearances. I know they end very quickly. And so it's like where you see a ceiling, I'm like, that's a risk. That maybe <laughs> I'm not willing to take, you know, mm -hmm. or like whatever. And so I do really do think that limits me on the DC side. Whereas with the fab league, I feel a little bit more comfortable being like, you want to know something? I just really like this player and I want to have this guy on my team and he doesn't necessarily fit. And he's going to set me back maybe, from what my projections tell me, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it anyway, you know? Right. Right. And Bubba, I know the inspiration for, you know, for you, for this topic is, uh, you know, Tommy Edmund versus, you know, uh, Wong, like you wrote in your fan tracks article. Um, you know, that's like the perfect kind of example of this that I, I hear you talk about a lot. Yeah, no, I, uh, that was one thing they asked me, like, hey, do you want to do like an ADP analysis articles during the offseason? Sure, I can definitely tell you like guys you can wait on because I think that's that's the beauty of doing DCs and FPC 50s is you learn the player pool and you're going to learn. Kidding me? I do shows on this. Yeah, but that's, 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 that's the beauty. <laughs> yeah. of it. That's why yeah. it's like, and that's what makes, I think, people better drafters when you can, it, it's basically scheduling out your draft. Like Ginny Butler talks about making, you know, her flow charts. Uh, Ryan Bloomfield talks about working backwards. Everyone's got their way, but the whole point 
to that is knowing that, hey, if I don't go and get, say, Tommy Edmond here, and you don't have to like Colton Wong, but you have to like in your head think about what can Colton Wong give you 100 picks later that you can go and take someone else at Edmond's spot. And in the article I named off, like there's Montas and some other starting pitchers. There's J.D. Martinez if you need power. Like there's other things if you're building your roster construction, which I said I'm trying to figure out more this year to be better at. And I'm not saying you don't have to do the Edmund to Wong thing. You can even do skip Edmund and take Johnson India around later or stuff like that. Like there's take options. Is my whole, my whole point to that thing. Yeah. And there, that, that works in so many ways. And I think it's like, for me, it's looking at projections. I, I like the bad X ATC is great and all, but for hitting, I like the bad X kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and if in and the other thing I will use, I will use steamer 600. And I think, cause it gives you the bigger picture of, these are the skill sets. And if for some reason they both place, you know, get 600 at bats or whatever, this is what these projections are telling you they should be. Because when you just look at the regular projections, just regular steamer, like one of the things I talked about early in the off season is like they had Dalton Varshall playing 93 games and people are saying, okay, this is why his numbers are blah, blah, blah. And that's not going to cut it. I'm like, well, let's be realistic. If he's playing the outfield almost every day and not catching and catching sporadically, maybe playing DH, there's a great chance he plays at least 130 to 140. Maybe mm-hmm. more if he's just right. playing the outfield. So we're now we're talking a, a 30 to 50 game. Like I'm just being loose there, like a big gap in game production. So if you go to the steamer 600, now all of a sudden you're seeing his numbers are very close to JT Rio Nito. Like he's not JTR, but now you're seeing what this guy can be with a full slate. You can do that with other positions. Like um, the first base is great because there's pockets of first base. You can wait and do things. I think the more you can learn where you can fluctuate, it lets you know, like some people like to draft by tiers and that's fine. And you can do that, but this way you can know like, Hey, I want to circle like, and using your queue in a draft room, I like, it's the best thing you can do, especially in a fast draft. And so, and I, I told, I told Modica on my show today, I said, when I do my live drafts, I have the draft room up. I have my roster grid up. So I'm always going back and forth and checking things yeah. as I'm setting my queue. And it's one of those things. It's like, okay, I'm here. And, you know, there's this third baseman I really like. It's a bad position, but I only have two starting pitchers and I can add some pitching depth here and I can wait a couple rounds. And I believe in Heimer Condelario. Like maybe I'm crazy, but that's just one example. So it's like, okay, I can wait and get him instead of going at his ADP of, you know, four rounds later, take him two rounds later, go get the starting pitcher now, do things along those lines. I think that's where you can kind of look at different buckets of players, as they say, or whatever, and really makes you potentially form a stronger team. Because now you're not – because the worst feeling in the world, I know we've all done it multiple times, is you go draft player A, and like six rounds later, this other player B is on the board, and you're going, that's the Spider-Man gif. Right. Like, that's the same player, and I totally could have done something different with my roster. And right. and that player you first took dictated how your next rounds went. Not just that one player you could have taken there. It changes the entire situation, basically. So it's just little things like that, and I think – drafting early prepping but looking at the projections like projections are not end all be all but i think we can all admit they're a great tool to use to get your head in the right spots right. and um i think it's it's something just as i become like i like to think i'm becoming a better player it's using things like that to instead of just going like you know this dude's so good i gotta take him here it's like no in reality he is very good but you don't have to take him there like there's things right. you can do differently so that's just kind of how i go about it yeah, I like that whole Steamer 600 kind of uh, look into it as well. Like, I think that's one of my favorite things about um, the Mayberry method and, and Babs is that, yes. is, is that they just, they 
they they localize those skills on and it, it reminds me like a steamer 600 on on a skill set you know rank it's just it just shows the guys on their raw skills and you can kind of compare and say oh wow like you know if this guy does get x amount of plate appearances he might be pretty valuable so i think that's a excellent way to look at the player pool for sure it helps i know it helps me absolutely um toby you mentioned um how you know like you looking back at the drafts or um looking back how maybe you historically draft and 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 kind of like adjust uh you know how we're gonna go forward you know um i think this is one of the awesome things i learned from you know our friend steve weimer um he you know big on looking back how you historically draft yourself and um you know and kind of like adjusting how you you know you would uh you know maybe you see that you're always lacking home runs or stolen bases or average or anything and and kind of adjusting your player evaluation that way a little bit because i i i like I don't know. I have, I look back at what I've done and I can't determine if it's just, I, I draft a specific way or I'm just missing on players, you know? So I don't know how to use that tool like that going forward. I'm not good enough in my brain to, you know, recalculate. Uh, I just want to know if that's something that you guys do at all looking back and, and, and seeing your, your, you know, your trend in drafting and if you're strong in areas or weak. Yeah, I I don't really do that. I don't yeah. know if there would be a trend. Like there's nothing that stands out to me, but I'm also not as smart as Steve. And so I have not gone back and done the analysis to like find out if there is a weakness. If I had to guess, I would probably say um that it would be it would be home runs would probably be the area that I'm weakest on a regular basis, but I don't necessarily know if I would change that because it's, it's kind of by design a little bit. It's kind of like, that's the area where like, if my team is going to be super good, I'm going to be able to catch up in that category. Cause I've identified some guys going later because that's the least scarce category. And I think what I prefer to do is kind of maybe adjust, uh, the pro projections or the standing gain points to prioritize the categories that are a little bit more scarce. So like batting average and steals and, 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 you know, in some ways like artificially inflating the guys who are good in those, because those are the guys that I want. And in a situation where, you know, there's a $2 difference or a $1 difference, which I know in the back of my head is really just like two home runs or like, you know, four home runs or whatever, you know, um, that in those types of situations, I want to be prioritizing the guy that is projected for the higher batting average or the higher steals. So I think that that's kind of handled it. I do have one question for you though, Rob, which I think is a really um, important question for us to address, uh, which is uh, you're in a room and Steve <laughs> Weimer is in the room and Joey Weimer is in the room. Very good prospect for the Brewers. Yep. Darling of the Arizona Fall League. Got a mullet too, right? Maybe he's got a yeah, mullet. Full uh, flow. He's got it's a flow. mullet. It's, it's he's got beautiful. a lot. Of, he's got a beautiful. mullet and a lot of energy. It's majestic. So you're in a room, and it's a it's a it's a fantasy Weimer draft. Who's your one one in that situation? And here's the thing: because mullet, energy, fantastic prospect, a lot of swag right there. That's a lot of. He's amazing. That's a lot of Weimer to pass up, but you know. 
doesn't compare to Steve. Good answer. You know, I, never, I think you, I, I think you went, I think you went with the right thing. You always go the steady choice. You know, <laughs> you, you know, you just, right, right, right. That's the guy who taught me that. You always go with that. Beautiful is boring. That's always been his line. Um, yeah. since I first had him I, on the pod, and it's all hundred percent right. Team, I love team boring. You, you want to start? Yeah. Similar projections. Steve Weimer's projection in in the ATC, the inter projection standard deviation is much smaller. You know, like yeah, all yeah, the yeah. projections <laughs> kind of know what you're gonna get. Yep. And then with Joey, it's just yeah, you know, you don't know. You don't know. You okay, don't I know. just had I just want to do that. We did that on the podcast, as yeah. you know, a couple of weeks back. And I just wanted, we weren't able to get you on record in terms of where, where, um, where you'd go in the Weimer draft. And I'm glad yeah. that we've been able to establish this. Yeah. And if I could just clone Steve, I'll take him in the next round too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Fill, fill him up, fill up all nine spots. It's the perfect team. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Problem solved that easy. Right. Absolutely. Bubba, do you try to do anything like that? Like kind of look back and look like, see what you're, you've been ten, like tending to be weak at or strong at and adjust. It's funny you mentioned that because like a lot of things uh, I'm, I need to be better at like, you know, Excel, making charts, like monitoring things. Like I tried Roto Lab for a bit. It's, I like it, but it, it's a lot going on when I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z. Like there's just so many little things going on. But looking back, like I don't look per se straight up at my draft so much, but I definitely go back. I did this last year. And like, again, I'm trying to do more things to figure things out and, and, and whatnot. And I looked at like, what, what made me not finish higher? Like, what was it mm-hmm. for me? A lot last year was the power department because of certain players like Colton uh, Walker and other guys, not Colton Walker, uh, but Walker and some other guys that I was like really thinking would be good. They were not. And then I missed a lot on strikeouts, which could go back to the innings pitch thing we talked about in, in, earlier on. So it's like little things like that, that I need to improve on. And if it was really, really dramatic, I would go back and look at how I drafted that team. But like, as a whole, I, I need to look how I, cause I think I'm so, fo- I was so focused on stolen bases and getting a couple pocket aces. And then I kind of just started filling up situations and not, uh, it wasn't, it was a mess, but um, it's gotten better year after year. And uh, looking at my teams now, they seem much to me, at least seem much more like built. And I was using Rotolab for like slow drafts and knock on wood. If you believe the, the HQ projections and everything, I'm at least projected, quote unquote, to be very evened out, which is much better than I was in previous years. Yeah, that's that's important. It's important to, to at least just be aware of these things. I, I, I like I said uh, earlier in the pod, I tried to just uh, re, you know, rein in all my end of year stats and just kind of look at, you know, where where I was low, and it seems to be a common theme. But mine was power as well. <laughs> I guess we just, we all did well, something wrong. Changing baseballs and stuff on us, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's just uh, I, I mean, and and some draft I was able to identify too, especially my second main. I went too cute with trying to get. I think someone mentioned it earlier, but getting steals in a bunch of different spots, but the guys don't have great averages, and also. I didn't have enough power and it was just, it was chasing offense all year. And it was a shame too, because my pitching staff was just lights out and uh, just didn't have the, the pitching to really um, the, you know, the bats to, to hold up um, in the race. And it's uh it was a shame. So I'm, I'm trying to look more back at that 
I don't know how to, you know, like I said, I'm not going to reformulate anything or my players to evaluation, but I just be conscious of, of, of things that, you know, burned me last year. But I think, I think one thing that's tough too, about like adjusting for previous seasons is if you have like a consistent trend, it's one thing, but it's hard to differentiate what is like, what is you versus what is just a random thing that happened last year. Like biases, right. Yeah. Like I I struggled in average in the leagues that I was bad in last year. And it wasn't because I think I did anything that bad. I just had Eugenio Suarez on those two teams. And I played him for pretty much like three quarters of the year without taking him out. Cause I was just waiting for things to turn around, you know? And like, maybe my problem was that I kept him in for such a long time, but like, it's really hard to project that a guy on your team is going to hit 191. Right. You know, like <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Like, I mean, that's just, you know, and so is that, was that me making a mistake maybe in terms of keeping him in for as long as I did, but it sometimes, that just happens, you know, and right. if you have exposure to that guy that year, then it makes it look like it's a trend when maybe it's something a little bit less than that. It kind of made me want to like not pick fourth catches a lot on DCs because I noticed in my team stats how, how many at bats I would just throw in there from someone if JT missed the weekend or, you know, uh, I was trying to be stronger catchers in both spots, but it doesn't happen in every single league. And Sometimes I just I was just looking at my overall team stats and your starting stats and I was like, why why did I play this guy? You know, didn't even me I could take away his three RBIs he gave me. I still would have been in the same spot in RBIs, but I lost a point or two in average. You know, it's why it's just like I'd rather just play an injured guy at that point. <laughs> you know, it just it just wasn't worth what they took away from my team. So. I think it's good to look back um, and and observe, but not get too caught up in it. Because like you said, though, you don't know how much of that is you. And that's a great point because this could be so many other factors in, in, a, in a draft, and especially if it's fab. Um, lots of variables, lots of variables, like getting a pitcher win, lots of variables, not only how you do. Um, but do you guys think you generally, when you hit or miss on on players, uh, you think like you're you're hitting more? Um, like, are you evaluating them or like that skill set in the right way? I don't know if that makes sense. Does that sentence make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. Like you're, you're saying, did we evaluate the player the proper way? Like, or did we over evaluate him or do we mis evaluate him? Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Are, are you good at evaluating like players or specific skill sets? Like knowing what this, spe- like these things, like um, like lead to in player performance. I think it's ever evolving, at least for me. Like, right. uh, I know Toby can. We'll probably talk about what he does with pitchers, which goes a, a big way for him in developing kind of potential breakouts. But um, and maybe that's something I should have mentioned earlier with hitters. I'm looking forward to some of the new data we're going to get on just like swing speed and stuff like that because oh, yeah. that can talk about how like they change their approach to the play we like forget the whole remember jd martinez's and justin turner's of the world that changed their 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 stances and their their approach and all of a sudden their swing speeds change and those are things if you can jump ahead of that potentially that could be tremendous obviously so um i think over evaluating toby mentioned it earlier 
sometimes we believe in a trend when it's not a trend and mm. that can be a way to like over evaluate possibly and i think certain stats we can kind of overdo like i think power you can kind of put in a bucket plate discipline you can kind of put in a bucket um but like average like that's one of those things that can fluctuate so much you hear the comments like a regular player you know three hits a month can change everything so in the grand scheme of things it's like 15 to 20 hits in the entire season could really change an average to being like pretty darn good to average and <laughs> that that's that's tough to predict on how that kind of all plays out and so I think that's kind of one you can get a hard on yourself for, but I, I wouldn't go too crazy with, but we, in the, to, probably the easiest answer is yes, we probably overanalyze some players. There's a hundred percent true, mm. but um, that's what we're here to do. So that's what we're here to do. That, yeah. That's kind of the fun. <laughs> that's why I would say like, we're playing one of the best guessing games in the world. And we're hoping we're right. That's just the grand scheme of things. Yeah. That's the adrenaline rush right there. It's just finding it. Yeah, I, I really, I really like this question a lot. I think this applies um, to the way that I draft in a lot of different ways. Like, I generally think that, that like, I think that part of it is like, you know, I think we want to think that we're smarter than the projections, and oftentimes we're not smarter than the projections. I think the projections are better. So I think what we try to do is identify areas where maybe a projection is slow to react, like with a pitcher because of a velocity change or a pitch mix change or something like that. And I think that's why maybe identifying those breakouts, we may feel a little bit more confident, but I think oftentimes everybody ends up on those same guys too, right? Like it's very rare that you go into a draft and you're like, I'm the only person on this guy. You know, it's like, everybody's kind of like, how far is Trevor Rogers going to get pushed up? Am I going to have to draft him in the 14th round or am I going to have to draft him in the 17th round? You know, like, like, and so I think we've all gotten really good at identifying kind of who those guys are. And there might be some differences, but I don't think we have the same level of, um, certainty or, or level of like, we feel like that guy's definitely going to break out. Like there's guys that are kind of within a continuum of that or how they might break projections because of this, that, and the other thing that, that they're doing. And so I kind of try to like, actually like stay out of the analysis too much. Like I like our podcast cause I'll go deeper than I would go otherwise on players and like really kind of dig into them and stuff like that. But I think one of the things that's challenging about the way that I draft in, in targeting starting pitchers and even this year, like closers early and like really loading up on that is that I do narrow the window of the type of players that I'm willing to draft and that I'm willing to consider. I oftentimes joke after seasons where I'm like, I'm a really bad drafter or like, I'm like, I wish I could just like draft Pete Alonzo. Like he's a really good example. Like, I think Pete Alonzo is going to have a phenomenal year. I think he's going to be fantastic. I think he's going to be great. Am I going to draft him in any of my drafts this year that include that have an overall component? Probably not. Right. And it's like, and so in some ways I do think that I'm guilty in the sense that I'm like, I am operating from a place of scarcity and I'm only, I'm narrowing my window of guys that I'm going to draft um, to such a limited band that it's almost like, it's almost like those are the guys like that have a certain profile that I need to be good. Right. Like if the guys in a given year who provide batting average and steals and maybe are a little bit light in home runs, aren't good in a given year, like chances are I might struggle in that sense, you know? And so like, 
I do, I think it's a really interesting question because it's like, I think a lot of times we blame ourselves for why a guy succeeded or failed, but there are oftentimes explanations that are well beyond our control. Like it's bad luck. Like maybe they were really good in three, two counts or really bad in three, two counts, right? Like things that we really don't control and that we can't foresee. And so I think oftentimes, whether for better or worse, like we latch onto certain profiles of guys or certain right. skill sets that they have that we, that we, that we want on our team, you know, for very valid reasons, but in wanting that particular profile, you may be more likely to overlook a glaring weakness or to take on a risk in plate appearances that you wouldn't otherwise, or, um, think that, you know, they haven't pr produced home runs before, but now they will like Cabrian Hayes. We got a really good question a few weeks ago where it was like, you know, everybody's not, everybody seems to like Cabrian Hayes, but like everybody's saying like, Ooh, Cabrian Hayes is going to latch into like this new set of power. And it's like, and I was like, well, I like, I like Cabrian Hayes fine. Like he's third baseman. He provides, you know, decent batting average and he steals some bases. Then I was like, let me dig into this. And I was like, actually, yeah, like the power seems pretty middling, like 15 home runs seems like pretty reasonable of an expectation, even with a fairly full set of plate appearances. And that's what the projections are telling me are going to happen too. But it's like, I'm like, yeah, but this profile really fits what I need. So maybe I'm going to like, you know, maybe I believe that he's going to tap into this power because like, I want this type of profile. So anyways, I think I'm getting off track a little bit, but like, just like, yeah, sometimes, sometimes, oftentimes we're not, our analysis is not the reason why we failed to identify a guy who does well or who doesn't. It's just well, well beyond our control. And then oftentimes we get into a certain profile of player and we may, because of what we need or our roster construction, kind of miss parts of that player's profile because of what we are choosing to overvalue or to appreciate more in what they're there, what, what they would mean to our team in, in being on it. I don't know if that makes sense. No, no, it does. This does. That's why I asked this question. I think you, you covered it the way I was thinking for sure, because uh, like you said, you're, you're looking for specific profiles and you're just uh, like, you know, everyone talks about eliminating a player pool of drafting, but and you're just limiting a certain range of guys and and again it's like a skill set you're looking for a specific thing at a specific point and it's almost like at the end of the year these guys were like oh i don't even know how he did or how i would have thought he would have done because i wasn't even thinking about these players to draft at all you know and it's you miss you know i've been realizing that there's a lot of guys that i i, I skipped analysis on because uh i wasn't looking for them in parts of the draft and then at the end of the year you don't really know what to compare it to because you weren't expecting <laughs> anything you know and um one thing i often think about is like if it was a way to like tally up your your weekly stats you know but not not just your your five by five roto stats, but what was your contact percentage? You know, what, what was your barrel percentage and, 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 and have these, these metrics, you know, tally up at the end of the weeks and for the season and you just get this overall, like, you know, how we're doing the 80th percentile for, for stats, you know, do we be, do we need to have like uh, an aggregate, you know, 
contact percentage that we're looking for for your team you know i don't know it's like one thing i wished uh like someone like the a site can can do for you because i think that would be really fascinating i think it would kind of maybe there's there's some dfs sites that'll do it per player but i have not seen like a whole like team concept like you could probably find a way to scrap it and you know put it in an excel file or a sheets and and, and make it all work together but that's sites that are slowly putting stuff together like that right you you might be able to do like a fan graphs allows you to put like a custom list of players together but i'm not sure what metrics you're allowed to include on there right but i think that's a it's a really good point because one of the things i noticed so last year i had a couple teams that just struggled offensively like in the main event and i was like what like what's what's wrong with these teams like what what have i done wrong and at a certain point in the season i think jeff zimmerman tweeted out and he's like here's here's the top 20 teams and plate appearances in the main event overall like here are the team the guys that are generating the most plate appearances for their teams and some of the teams were on it and i just realized that i probably have like the lowest runs to plate appearances of like any team in the main event this year because i'm like top five in plate appearances and like and yet i'm like whatever 200th in runs or something like that and if you look at all the other 10, 20 teams that were in a similar range, they were all like, you know, in the top 100 and runs. And so like, that's, that's the thing that gets to like, yeah, it's like, it would be really cool. Cause you could really get a sense of like, okay, what is the skills of this team that I put together? Yes. And like, how are they, how, like, if you could look at the barrels, like how many barrels total does my team have? And how many home runs does it have? Bev and I oftentimes look at barrels per home run as like a factor of like, will was somebody lucky or unlucky? What was right. my barrels to home run for this team, right? Because they're just like in a season, like hopefully over the course of a long full season with 14 guys in your lineup every single week, you're going to get closer, right? You're not going to have these huge outliers, but you're still going to have some outliers, right? Even in a, in a sample that large of whatever 7,000, you know, plate appearances or, or whatever it is that we end up getting to over the course of a season. And so, yeah, just being able to identify like, yeah, do, do I tend to draft like guys who have low contact rates or high mm-hmm. contact rates, but low barrel rates. And, you know, that type of stuff would be really cool to kind of get down into it. I know like with auto new and, and things like that, they really look at like some of the like um, less focused on outcomes and more about like kind of skills of, of mm-hmm. players in terms right. of what they measure but I'm not really like into like getting into that in terms of grading my team, but it would be really interesting to be able to identify flaws in your team or things like that based on that level of skill, like um, underlying skill. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Like I wouldn't want that to replace a roto category, but I think just think it would be so cool and so much feedback into, you know, what you need and what you're off of. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think that, I think there might be a way to do that on Fangraphs. I haven't figured it out yet, but it, it, it's pretty cool. I just thought that would be awesome if anyone from the NFBC is listening and they want to just, you know, maybe just try incorporating some of those things. <clears throat> but if not, it's all good. Um, all right, so question. Um, you know, obviously, we have to have perfect balance in a league. Everything needs to go right. But if you have to pick one, what you what would you value more, either player valuation or roster construction that leads you to success? 
uh, people are going to hate me because I say it way too many times on every show, but it's roster construction. Because I think player evaluation leads you to roster construction. So let's put it that way. But if I have to pick one, it's roster construction. Because if your roster is built poorly, you're screwed out the gate. So I'll take the roster construction pretty. I'll keep it simple in that regard. I think if you, if you are building a, if you're building it poorly, you are already in trouble. So it doesn't matter how you evaluate a player personally. Like, yeah, I think roster construction as well. Um, I mean, give me a set of projections and let me build a roster that's balanced. Um, I don't really need to like analyze all that, all that much. Uh, Got it. I like it. Definitely agree with that there for a hundred percent. Bubba, I know you um, like these NFBC 50s. I don't think Toby, I don't think you've played in a 50, right? A 50 mm, league. I haven't. Um, Bubba, I just wanted to know how, uh, I know you, we were in a league last year. Um, is there anything you did differently from last year to this year? Is there anything you learned from doing a 50 league, which is uh, for anyone listening doesn't know, it's a draft and hold 50 round style, like a draft champion, but instead of 15 teams, it's 12 teams. Um, I, Definitely tried to do some more this year. I thought they were just fun. Try like different builds and try different crazy things. But also to, you know, uh, it's like my DC pack is in for main. Then I figured if I wanted to play a couple of these OCs, it would be like a similar um, a similar way of thinking there. But uh, one thing I struggled with uh, is like the late round guys and when to take them in the 50s because like there's these points in like draft champions where I reach you know, for like a later round guy. Cause I don't want him, you know, to go to another team. I don't want to wait too long. Um, but in the fifties, like it comes up quicker, the end of your roster. And sometimes I'm looking in my queue and I'm like, wait a minute, I have all these guys I love, but obviously they don't belong on, uh, you know, in that, in that different, you know, cause there's a lot less players, but uh, you know, that, that, that's one thing I struggle with toward the end of the game is, is like when to take the guys I like and when to, fill out like how to fill out my team but i just wanted to know what what you've learned from playing them from last year to this year um it'll go back to kind of that battle of the pods thing which was a 15 of course but uh in people like said you're gonna hate me roster construction but it's it's uh it's the innings pitched it's making sure you have your positions covered but um what what i love about the 50s and similar to what you said is i like to draft like 12 team leagues like i'll play 15s i don't mind them I like the 12s just because I, I go back to saying fantasy should be fun and 15s aren't fun because once you start getting guys hurt, like at least on a 12, you can replace them. There's, there's like, there's life out there and a 15, it, it, it can be pretty depressing at times, but um, they are, they're very good. I think also to try strategies because 12s can get wild. 12s right. can get really wild compared to 15s. So where 15s, you really like, that's where like the pocket aces, I think are even more important. And you like these certain things where 12, you can kind of play around. You can kind of see how things flow and, and see how, and see what builds you like different spots in the first round and how like the first six rounds go for you or something. So I use them as a great, um, like it's like mock draft on steroids because you have to spend some cash. So it's a, it's a good way to really try a few things out. And, and I like them quite a bit. And I agree because 12s are just so much different. There's your end game in a 12 is so crazy compared to a 15 where you are just sitting there going, man, who do I take? Cause these guys aren't going to get drafted. And it's weird. It is a weird feeling. I'm with you there. Yeah. They're definitely a lot of fun. Like you said, it's just uh it's almost like a, a good way to mock and, and mess around just with different builds. And I loved it. It just, and I don't know. I, I had a lot of fun drafting those teams. Um, I I did almost like a, a 
a Dalton Del Don, like Yellow Brick Road in one of my teams. You know, I, I drafted Cole, DeGrom, Bieber. Um, and then I actually skipped the, the, the Yellow Brick Road for a little bit, but I went pocket catchers uh, in Sal Perez and, and, oh, and yeah. JT. Toby just got very excited over there. And then went back to like Cease and Darvish and I had <laughs> five monsters. And then I didn't take another start until like round 30 because I just... You don't need to. Yeah, I, yeah. I just like, you know, and then I remember doing it and it was just like, wow, I like this. I like this, you know, and like, I hope I could fill it out because, you know, but it's so much fun. You just, you just come out with these teams and then you look at everyone else's teams like, wow, this guy's got a good team too. You know, it's just, it's just different. It's a, it's a different vibe than the 15 team. And yeah, I wanted to use it as a little bit of a gauge for like an OC and um, because I felt like that was my biggest thing last year doing a 12 team league was just like, Am I, is my team good? You know, <laughs> I didn't really oh, have I, I legit. So that first OC I did uh, like last week, like I liked my team, but it was so weird. The room was sharp. I was jumping guys. People were jumping guys. It was kind of all over the board. I felt like I was taking my mid pitchers early and this, that. So I, I DM'd Fish, our buddy, and I said, hey, I know you'll give it to me straight. Like, what are your thoughts? And he said, this, this, this is good. These two guys, I wouldn't. But then we talked it out and all of a sudden he's like, okay, you kind of sold me on this guy. And then we like, we're talking and it was one of those that he's like, yeah, he said he did it first OC and thought the same thing. He's like, right. are there bad teams in this? Like it, it feels weird, <laughs> yeah. but like they, what are we doing here? That's, that's right. kind of the fun of it though. It it's is. Like, yeah. It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. And like I said, like toward the end, there was guys that I, for example, told me like in, in my last 50, um, I got Ben Gamble in the 50th round, right? And the yeah. guy before me had like Elvis Andrews. And these are the guys I'm thinking about like in 38, like around 40s. 32 or right, 33 right. in a DC. Yeah, and it's like, it, it, it's so different because there's, again, like I said, they, there's other guys in my queue and I'm just like, wait a minute, this guy can't go undrafted or I have to take him in the 50th round. Um, it's just interesting. It's so, it's so different. It's so different than the draft champions. It's fun. Totally. One thing, one thing I think for your, um, your piece about like the pocket catchers, I really think people undervalue elite catchers in 12 team leagues. Absolutely. I think people are like naturally like, Oh, in 15 team leagues, they're more valuable because you know, they're the replacement value is worse, but like the thing is like, there's, there's, it's very hard to distinguish hitters you know, in 12 team leagues and those elite catchers are the hitters that distinguish themselves the most after like the first round, second round talent, like those catchers are awesome. So I fully subscribe to your three elite starting pitchers followed by pocket catchers in, in that league. That sounds beautiful to me. hundred percent. There's another thing that I remember hearing you talk about when I first started listening to your podcast, you had one of the, a listener question and it was like, it was the, he had the opposite thought that, that they were less valuable. And I remember you describing it and I'm like, exactly. Like a lot of people get that mixed up. A lot of people get that mixed up. They get, they, they think it's opposite. I'm like, no, it's, it becomes even more pivotal, you know, to, to get that edge. Um, Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So Toby in your DC this year, um, anything different, um, that you've been doing from last year in terms of like your, you know, your batter to pitcher splits, or maybe even the way you're dividing up, you know, starting pitchers and relief pitchers, any, any differences there? Um, there's the, the difference in the relief pitchers, like in terms of where I'm grabbing my closers, I was previously 
waiting or grabbing guys that I knew had a job or was speculating had a job. And now I'm really getting two elite closers um, early on. I'm also getting going heavy starting pitching. So I'm actually heavier starting pitching in DCs. I'm oftentimes getting um, four pitchers in my first five rounds, probably um, three to three to four starting pitchers in the first rounds. Um, and really then just attacking hitters by volume. Um, because the worst thing in DCs is when you don't have pitching and you don't have anywhere to turn to. Yes. And so having those elite starting pitchers that are giving you innings, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about, but like on some teams, let's say like I, on one team, I think I have Garrett Cole, I have like a Cole Wheeler cease team or something like that, which that is probably projected for 600 to 700 strikeouts. Right. You know, and it's like in a DC, like, I don't know what the, what the 80th percentile, what is the 80th percentile strikeouts in a DC? It's like 1300 or something like that. Yeah. It's in the thirteens. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see. I have it. I have it right here. Um, it's 1369. So essentially like with those three starting pitchers, assuming health, which is unlikely, but you know, I'm going to get like over half of my K's mm-hmm. and then I'm going to get, you know, 180 times three, 300, um, I, 540 innings of theoretically good ratios, you know, right. and then the wins that come along with them being on pretty good teams and being good pitchers, you know, I'm addressing all of that with my first three picks. And I don't think you can do that or like not first three picks, but with, with that handful of picks. And then I'm really hitting, you know, um, I'm really, I'm getting like, I don't know, seven, eight hitters in a row at a certain point there. And then there are just pockets of pitchers that I like. And depending on how deep I'm pitching, I go like, I'm going to target maybe some of those guys around pick 130 or 120, or else I'm going to drop back to like pick 180. Um, and then after like pick 250 or so, um, I'm like, or like 270, I'm going pitchers because I really don't like a lot of the hitters. Right. And then at a certain point, once I've filled in that pitching, sorry, I keep going and going. Once I feel in these, when I, once I feel in the pitching and I've got like eight, eight pitchers or nine pitchers, then it's all hitters for the most part, with the exception of maybe one or two pitchers for a while. Cause I'm just going after plate appearances and then starting like kind of in, in like the five hundreds, then it's like the kind of later round guys that I like to target. So, and then I'm going, try to get three to four at every single position, eight to 10 in outfield, 24 pitchers. I'm also more on the three catcher bandwagon this year than I am on the four, just because mm-hmm. I think at that point in the draft, they're just so hideous. I'd rather take another stab at like a closer spec or something like that. So that's kind of how I've been handling like the st- strategy and roster construction. And I'm pretty rigid on that as well. Like all of my teams will pretty much follow that. That, yeah. Uh, how many closers are you ending up with or relievers, I guess, when you go early? Because I know, you know, I uh, hear some people, you know, thing like i'll just pick two and two more relievers and that's it or do you end up trying to get a couple more oh i get a crap ton of relievers because i think a lot of like the relievers um that you're gonna a lot of the starting pitchers you're getting like way back in the draft are a lot of them are not going to be usable 
Um, so like a good example would be, I generally have the, if I get the two really elite closing pitchers, then I'm oftentimes like the next time I'm waiting in at a closer, if a guy drops, like I have some shares of like Andrew Kittredge, for instance, or mm. I have some shares of like, I don't know if I have Sewell, but I have some shares of guys who are kind of in that like late two hundreds round where I like them enough where I'm willing to maybe take like a little bit of a stab at them there. But if I don't get them there, then it's oftentimes like, you know, your Chris Stratton's of the world. Um, let's see, like, uh, like I, I have a bunch of Daniel Hudson with the, mm -hmm. with the Dodgers. I've been big on, big in on him. I've got him in 70% of my leagues. Um, I have guys like, you know, uh, Drew Pomerantz, backup closers like AJ Minter, yep, um, Jake Cousins. I think one of my own most guys is uh, like Luke Jackson. <laughs> I have Luke Jackson on forty yeah. percent of my team. Yeah, yeah. Chris Stratton. Um, I think I took more of like the Trevor Richards types this year, like just like some, I don't know, just like good pitchers. Type. Yeah. Like in those short belief roles that, you know, I don't know. It, it, I felt like a lot of times last year, I wish I had a couple more of those options than, than weak starters. Yeah. I mean, the thing is in a DC, if I end up with like 45 saves, I feel pretty good just on an individual level. And then what you're hoping for is that you get those two elite closers that get you 30 plus saves. And then one of the other guys throws you 15 or 20, and that's the team that competes for the overall, you know, right. and there's luck involved in that and things breaking your way. So it's hard to plan for something like that, you know, to happen. Got it. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about going from that, um, you know, we're doing all our draft and hold now transition into fab leagues and also to fast clocks. Um, just want to get some quick shots of like what you guys think is, is really pivotal and, and transition to, especially the fast clock and um, a fab league. Like, do you have to be a little more concrete in, in your, in your picks at certain rounds because you know, obviously you have less time to make that decision. Bubba, what do you think? I wouldn't say you have to be concrete so much, but um like I said earlier, make sure you're using your cue so you're ready when that right. clock hits, hits go. Make sure you're paying. Like, it's 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 annoying because you can tell who they are when you draft with them. Like, the one-minute clock is so great because you have to focus. Even in leagues before, it's like a two- or three-minute clock. I know we all have. And somehow it's always down to, like, 10 seconds every time. And that person has no cue up or nothing. And you're sitting there going, what have you done this entire time? Like, no wonder you're, you're not ready to pick. But – um I'd say knowing the player pool, that's why we do the DCs in the 50s, and then uh, set your queue, pay attention to your roster. Yes, you should have an idea for sure of how you want to build your roster. There's no doubt that. So you kind of have targets at each spot. So you kind of have a, a basis, like you were saying, Rob. But I don't think it's like a must because for Fab, as long as your roster construction is still good in your mind, you can still make adjustments throughout the league, the season, which I think is great. And that's why I think once you kind of have your basis of your starting club, maybe a few bench guys you want to rely on, especially in 12s. I don't mind taking some stabs. Like in these early fab leagues I've done for 12s, uh, my last like three or four picks are spec closers that don't have, we don't know because if not, I drop them and I start making moves. Like that's right. like kind of a churn and burn idea. So why not speculate on closers now before things get crazy? Okay. Um, 15s will be different because they're deeper and you're sharp, sharp people in those drafts. So um, that'd be my two cents. 
it's a different animal. Like I said, when I did it, it was the two hours were up. It was probably 10 o'clock my time and I couldn't go to sleep. I was jacked. I was like, that was so much fun. That was <laughs> yep. awesome. And I'm like, I've missed that. That was like a rush. You can't get from doing many other things. I've never done hard drugs, so I wouldn't know what that's like. But when you see them on like a movie, you're like, I get it. That's gotta be it. <laughs> so like it, it, it was, it was, it, it's a different animal. You gotta be on your toes, but it, um, it was pretty cool. So yeah, just don't be lollygagging, be prepared, pay attention. Always, always be looking. Like, I, I got fan graphs up. I got Savant up. I got all kinds of things. Always be looking at stuff and, and don't follow all the AVP. It's a tool, not a must. So mm-hmm. just keep that in mind. Amen. Love it. Yeah. For me, like I'm pretty prescriptive, like depending on the draft, like when I go into a main event, I essentially have like at each pick, I have a few options for what I want to get ahead of time, you know? And then I think that saves a lot of time and energy worrying about the queue because it's like you make your pick and then you add those guys to your queue or you add the next three picks that you expect to make to your queue. And then if for some reason, like all those guys that you wanted to get there are gone, you know, then you always have the guys that are behind that on the queue. And generally like when that type of stuff tends to happen, like kind of middle and later rounds in the draft, like bumping up a guy around, like, isn't a, isn't a huge deal. Um, and just kind of trying to think through like, especially early on, like what are the different like, um, permutations of what can happen in this draft and like, where am I pivoting from there? Um, later on. So really thinking like, I think a lot more, I just put like a lot more time in those fast drafts just so that I feel like I'm prepared and I can, um, I can respond accordingly. And then I also think the fab is a huge component. I mean, like in the TGFBI that I just drafted, my last five picks were all spec closers, you know, guys that I were free agents that I'm hoping sign somewhere to be closers or, you know, who don't, because like a lot of the starting pitchers that I actually like, like the, kind of, um, speculative guys, like they're going well after pick 500 or 450. And so I feel like I can get them on fab, you know, mm. if they have jobs coming out of there. And then it also gives me a very clear, like, yes or no on all those guys on whether I'm going to have them at the beginning of the season. And that gives me a lot of roster flexibility so that if there are changes between like when the draft happens and like opening day or like differences in lineups or trades or whatever happens, like I have very, e- I can very easily move on from folks. I'm not like invested emotionally at all in, in their success or anything like that. So I think kind of drafting for fab towards the back end and dra- drafting higher upside pieces there. Um, and then I think also like, I really want to have good pitching in those fab leagues. I do not want to have to stream on a regular basis. And so that's a real focus of mine right now is like, you want to know something like, Every single year, I would rather be light on hitting than on pitching. And so, uh, and sometimes I feel light on pitching still. And I'm like, I, that's the mistake. And so I go back to like really kind of getting those pitchers that I want to be able to start the vast majority of starts and have the option of maybe sitting them sometimes when maybe I want to have them in my starting lineup, but my options are good enough where that happens. So I think those are like the major changes is just like in terms of the preparation that you have to do in advance to know where you're going to go, because you never know, like when you're going to get, you know, that drafter who's like right in front of you, doesn't use up any of the clock. I always want to be that guy, right? Like who 
who, who once it changes to 59 seconds, I'm already drafting, right? Because I'm giving the guys behind me I did less time to respond and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of annoying when you're like waiting for the full minute, but in all honesty, like you'd rather have that happen. So I want to put people in put the pressure, like the them. different, different position. Yeah. So I guess those are some of the like major changes is it's just, you can be so much more flexible when you have fab that you can rely on. Absolutely. That's a good point. I, you know, I, I love, uh, I love putting, putting the pressure on. I put the pressure on Todd Whitestone in my main event. Uh, mm. I picked up the wheel and every time it came to me, I, I thundered both the picks and he, That's I saw it in his face. I was like, I was trying to get there, but cause he kept dealing all my players on the way there too. So He's but, great. Uh, yeah, good guy, Todd. Yeah. And an ode to Todd, we're going to end this wonderful podcast with going through these thing called pod decks. And I'm going to give you guys a couple of would you rathers. Mm. Nothing to do with sports. Oh, dang. Even better. Okay. All right. So here we go. Who wants to go first? I'll go. All right, Bubba. Would you rather take cold showers for the rest of your life or never get more than four hours sleep a night ever again? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'll take the four hours of sleep. Like when you're tired or dirty, a warm shower is just like one of the it's it's amazing. So I already like during baseball season, I'm on four to five hours most nights. So give me give me the four hours of sleep. It sucks, but it didn't say we can't take a nap in the middle of the day, right? Ooh, I'm just saying four hours sleep at night. It's too smart for this game, but I'll take I'll take the four hours of sleep. I love it. Yeah, I think I think I would pick that. I think I would pick that as well. Toby, I'm going to ask you a totally different question. Would you never, would you rather never be able to use search engines again or never use a smartphone app again? Oh, that's easy. That's easy. You could never check the scores of your games, Toby. (laughs) Well, I could because I could search for them in the search engine, right? Oh, Yahtzee. Yeah. Just be a little. Um, but now you'd have to, but now you'd have to have I think the whole time I think I'd you. probably go with go with. Um, uh, I'd rather never be able to use a search engine again, only because. I mean, I don't know if it counts as a search engine, but I could always just go to. I could always just type in the website, you know. Right. Or does that count as using the same search engine? I could always just put plug the the correct URL in. Yeah, that doesn't count. That's, yeah. that's not a search engine. That's, yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, a search yeah. engine. Okay. You can use a Safari. Yeah, like that would be part of your app. Yeah. Basically, yeah, you yeah, never yeah. use yeah. Google again. Yeah. Okay. That was, yeah. Okay. All right, Bubba. One more. Would you rather eat a whole bag of marshmallows or a whole jar of peanut butter at once? Oh my god, oh man, it's dangerous to eat a whole jar. <laughs> I jar know. Because I love Those to do both. both of these. I love peanut butter, man. But like that, the whole time. Um, wow, I'll I'll go peanut butter, but that is gnarly. That because both of them are just gonna fill you up and make you want to just roll on the ground in a fetal position. Yeah, yeah give, give me the peanut butter, crunchy. Uh, no, I'm not a crunchy guy. It's oh, wow, creamy, huh? bold um, move. I, I, I've always grown up creamy. My family never did the crunchy. I've been told wow. so many times the best is crunchy. I've been told by so many smart people, but you know, some things you just get raised by and you can't switch. That's I've just always been a creamy. Interesting. I, you, I have both in my pantry, but you know, I te- I tend to favor the crunchy. Yeah, I, maybe I need to try it one of these days. I just need to go through <laughs> it. I'm gonna take the one over here on the shelf and try it. 
and hope the wife doesn't kill me. And we're going to go with Crunchy. <laughs> um, Give it a hey, shot. Have, did you guys ever play the game uh, Chubby Bunny? Oh, yeah. When I you were early. Yeah, I do it with yeah, my daughter already. You do it? Because she loves so, to stuff her mouth. And I'm like, you're going to choke. I'm like, <laughs> she's, she's not even two years old yet. I'm like, you're going to choke on yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. And I'm like, and she's well, you're the perfect Chubby Bunny because you're sitting there laughing at me with your cheeks full. My um my little brother, uh, his nickname, well, we called him Chubby Bunny when he was younger because he had like this like perfect perfect circular face, <laughs> you know. And so for his um, uh, he gave like uh just a phenomenal um speech at my wedding, and so I did like a speech at his wedding, and um, and I made him play Chubby Bunny in front of everybody. It was really <laughs> funny. I just like wow. stuffed stuffed mushrooms or. Uh, Marshmallows, marshmallows in his mouth while i did my speech yeah it that's, was, that's it not was bad great. most people make me do the truffle shuffle so it's okay <laughs> oh, i got that on my fridge i have a fridge <laughs> magnet of of chunk yeah that was yeah 100 <laughs> percent um I, I love that love the truffle shuffle yeah all right toby one more to end the show ready yeah would you rather lick every inanimate object you see or be licked by every living thing you see so lick or be licked <laughs> oh that's nasty both that's ways. nasty either way it really is i'm i'm thinking of all the permutations that this could go in you know like, <laughs> like the most cautious i'd really have to think oh. through like because you you like I mean, you would never want to look at poo, like, right? Every doorknob <laughs> you see, every like, it would just be so bad. You like, but then anything that comes by, you can lick you. Yeah, I mean, I would have to. I think I'd have to go with being licked. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm trying to think about like worst case scenario is like lick my hand. You know, like just people you don't enjoy, like come yeah. over and lick you, right? Or like yeah. animals come over and lick you, but like in some instances, that's not like horrible thing world. you know like so i think i would have to go with being licked because there's just a lot of things to lick that you just there's a lot of things to lick. yeah like when you start thinking like walking, there's a lot of inanimate <laughs> think about when you that... go to a gas station bathroom yeah exactly think how there bad you go. that is think how bad i mean right honestly like the question is a little unreasonable because in that bathroom <laughs> like i'd have to lick the toilet i'd have to yeah. lick the seat have it to is lick the screws on the toilet i'd have to lick the top of it the walls, the floor, like, and that oh. just seems like a lot. It seems, but, yeah. <laughs> I like to know the extra work. velocity on that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fellas, we made it to the end of the pod. Much appreciative to you guys coming out and uh, spending some time with me. Um, you guys are the best. Uh, like I said, you're my favorite pod. Um, you guys are the best out there. And uh, Look forward to your shows every week and learning from you guys uh, a whole bunch. And uh, I feel like that's the best thing too. I never stop learning, you know, from you guys. Uh, it's a it's a never ending. I never not listen to it and you know be like come away with something that I didn't know prior. So um, keep doing what you guys are doing. I hope you win the uh, the pod tournament. I'm rooting for you guys. Take it down for sure we, we were given the number one seat i'm not quite sure how comical. that happened but that was no the number idea. one seat of death oh so was it the overall overall one like oh i don't know that. Uh, just in our one? just in our bracket in our bracket, oh, our right, bracket right, but it better oh, not be the overall that's rough the overall like one in, like rates and barrels is a two so something oh, ain't right in this picture man. man we'll, we'll see. see we'll see maybe maybe the may maybe the seating uh um 
management Connor was looking to stir up a little beef there or something. I don't not, know. Not in the battle of the pods bracket. That never happened. <laughs> I think I think we were two last year. We were a yeah. two seed last year and we lost in the sweet 16, I think. So yeah. that that's been our bugaboo has been the uh the sweet 16. Sweet um, 16 is we, always we, a, we don't we don't buy enough votes. It's tough. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the Russian bots weren't weren't on your side. I, I don't call on Canadian politicians to figure <laughs> out things for me. Uh, having been on the on the side of being yeah. accused of using a bot, I would like to say I have never used bots before. What is a bot? Whether anybody believes me or not, yeah. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't even know where to buy one at. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, so you guys, you know, just uh, plug what you guys are doing, where, to, where everyone can find you and um, what your plans are for the, you know, for the fantasy draft season. What do you got, Toby? Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Uh, the podcast is BatFlipCrazy Fantasy Baseball. The vast majority of the episodes of that will just be Bubba and the BatFlip. Um, but there will be a couple solo pods. Uh, we have the barf draft, which is the Bay area Roto fantasy draft coming up on Saturday. Uh, generally when I go to that draft on the way home, I will record a podcast, um, while I'm driving home, very safe. I will have my, both my hands on the steering wheel. I'm just going to do, uh, but look for that to come out afterwards. It's a good way to um, burn the two and a half to three hours I'll spend on the road each way going there. So it should be Absolutely. fun. Yeah. I might have to do that this year. You kind of had me uh, intrigued by that because mine's about a three to three and a half hour drive. So that seems kind of like a let's run through the draft. But that's we'll a see. great idea. I remember the first yeah. time, you know, I saw you did that. You know, I remember you having your notes. Yeah, you showed you little notes all over. Yeah, your little sticky <laughs> notes over the dashboard. I was like, wow, this guy devoted. This is great. Yeah, that, that was right after we agreed to start doing a podcast together. Yeah, like, this yeah it's so right here. It's yeah, so meant that I and and. And it's just, I don't know, it was just such an original, you know, idea. And um, it's like you said, what, what, what great way to burn some time and then just talk about your recent draft. Uh, awesome. Good stuff. Baba, where can everyone find you? On the old Twitter there at BD Intric. I tweet out too many things, so you'll find it all there. But uh, written content at Fantrax, Fantasy Pros, and Rotoballer, Bench with Bubba podcast. DFS is coming up, so. Boom. Just follow me on Twitter. You'll you'll find all this stuff. It's Fantastic. All You're all over the place, Bubba. Yeah. You yeah, and congrats to Bubba. Fan tracks yeah. and fantasy pros this offseason. He added it. Congrats. Cool. Just more, just more lack of sleep. That's why four hours a night is all you need, folks. <laughs> now, now all you need to do is sign with like six more places, and you'll be like Jeff Zimmerman. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome guys. Like I said, I really appreciate you guys coming out and talking. And, um, you know, I think everyone will get some good stuff out of this episode for sure. Great. Thanks a lot, Rob. Really appreciate it. Love the show. Yep. Always love chatting with you, my friend. Thanks, fellas. All right. Peace. All right, everyone. Have a good night. All right. There you go. Bubba and the bath lip. Boom. Done. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. I hope you guys could take some actional advice. Actional. Probably not even a word. Definitely not a word. Actional. Um. Don't do this late at night, folks. Really not. Yeah. But anyway, I'm not going to take it out because this is wonderful, right? Actional advice. You'll get it on the podcast. Not by me right now, but listen up. Um, yeah. 
All right, here we go. MLB time. Baseball is on. Let's go. Don't be a bag of shit. Boom. <laughs> 